Hi folks, welcome along to the latest edition of the Irish Rally Podcast. Once again in association with SVS Productions, Rally Connection, PFT Travel, MurrayMotorsport.com and TekkenTools.ie. The latter two, so TekkenTools.ie, MurrayMotorsport.com. If you're on the website and you apply a discount code called Irish Rally Podcast, there is 10% off uh, a wide variety of products on both websites there. So check them out. Indeed, and check out all our sponsors who are very, very grateful for. Without it, the show simply doesn't happen well on to Oshin Joyce as well the winner of our silver rally experience at rally connection and thanks to uh, Tom Keneally and all the team for uh, liaising with us on on that one so keep an eye out every month we're going to have a giveaway and there's a bit of a twist with the next giveaway uh so stay tuned for that particular one we've plenty to get through it's arguably the busiest month of the year Stephanie up there anyway and we're going to start with some class winners from the Circuit of Ireland, which was uh, a success. Okay, people aren't quite comfortable with it, maybe still being called a Circuit of Ireland, but you know what? It was still a great one-day sprint. I, I really enjoyed it anyway. Um, I think a lot of people did enjoy it. Is the name, I suppose, suitable to, to what it is? I don't know. It's a game of opinion, I suppose, but it was a very enjoyable day. That's all I know. And in the end, of course, uh, Callum Devine was successful. So, we did a little bit of homework as well on this and we wanted to try and see could we figure out the last time we had three different winners in the first three rounds of the Irish Tarmac Championship. And I'm going to have to do another small little bit of digging because no better man than Kevin O'Driscoll to uh, keep us in tune with that particular statistic. So he informed us that in 2017, it actually wasn't as far back as I thought, Gary Jennings, Donna Kelly and Sam Moffat uh, won the first three events of the year, Galway, West Cork and Killarney. No circuit that year. And the interesting thing in line with that, in terms of championship points, uh, the top Galway point scorer was Alistair Fisher, who was in third. Obviously, we had the, you know, the uh, the regulations changed that time with uh, eligibility to score points and stuff. So Alistair Fisher, third, was the highest point scorer. Josh Moffat in West Cork, second. And Sam, who actually did win in Killarney. So not that long ago, but certainly... A very interesting start to uh, this year's Tarmac Championship. It could end up being the best one we've ever had. It's provided some serious excitement. And well done to Callum Devine and Noel O'Sullivan, who took the win, as you said, 10.2 seconds from Josh Moffat and Andy Hayes. Uh, Marion Evans, again, very, very consistent this year in third place. Johnny Greer, fourth, and Sam Moffat in fifth. Uh, we're going to move our way straight down to the class winners here. So we're just scrolling as... We're live, so do bear with us. Not as neat and as tidy as perhaps a little edited program, but nonetheless, here we are now. Class one, historics, Trevor Wilson and Paul Mulholland. 2A, Kyle White and Sean Topping. Kyle White and Sean Topping had a mad moment and they got away with it. And uh, I'd say Kyle will probably tell you it was all under control, but uh, go check that out on uh, Kyle's page. Uh, class three, Ronan Green. Class four, Enda McBride. Class five, Mickey Connell and Donald Lennon. Class 6, Oliver Benton, Kyle Diffin. Class 7, Jason Black and Carl Egan. That result was coming, it has to be said. And they had a ding-donger with Kevin Eves and Owen Mallon throughout the day. Uh, class 8, Tomas O'Rourke and Tomas Scallon. We're going to be chatting to those two bookers very, very shortly here on the Irish Rally Podcast. They've been absolutely ripping it up in their class over the last couple of years. Uh, class 9, Will Creighton and Liam Regan. Class 10, of course, Callum Devine, Noel O'Sullivan. And then Class 11, the Open Class, Martin Cairns and Peter Ward. So that was the crack with the Circuit of Ireland. Now, the points tally actually isn't updated on the Tarmac Championship website, but we did a little bit of homework. So these are unofficial, but 
by our reckoning here on the Irish Early Podcast, Josh Moffat is leading Tarawa Championship on 55 points from Marion Evans on 47. Again, this is subject to change. I'm not saying it's their sentence on black and white, uh, but that's our understanding of it unofficially. Uh, so Marion Evans uh, on 47 in second, and Callum Devine 41, third, Johnny Greer next on 31, and Sam Moffat on 30. And if anyone wants to correct us on that, feel free to do so. Absolutely no hassle at all. <laughs> we won't take offence. Uh, just time-wise and everything, we tried to have a little scan down through the historics and the uh, modifieds and the junior. Just didn't get time to finalise that. But as soon as that's released, we'll share it up on our socials there as well, at Irish Rally Pod. Uh, I have to say thanks as well. People getting in touch with us with some old footage. You'll see it up there on our page. 1993, Donegal Rally. Big names like Bertie Fisher, James Cullen, Kenny McKinstry. Just really cool footage from, from the ramp. You'll see that there up on our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages. So coming up on the show, as you said, we'll be talking to the two Toms shortly. Terry Hegarty is going to be along to show us a demonstration on the track in Europe. Now, we spoke to Terry on the programme last year. It was actually down in Carrigan Shore where he gave us kind of an insight into what the track and room was like but the actual unit itself how to go about counting it up the right way um and maybe just some tips and pointers on that there from competitors we'll also look ahead to the moonraker which is this weekend uh, as we said it's crazy maiden city stages the week after then the rally of the lakes one week break and then you have Tipperary forestry rally martin rafael stages rally after that and then um <laughs> the cabin stages rally so it is um it is pretty hectic we do have a couple of emails that come in from listeners as well uh, Nestor will be along at some stage might be till about quarter to ten or ten to ten but he will be along so we'll actually hold off on that until he arrives in the vicinity so if you have any comments uh, by all means send them in as I said we're live on Facebook and we're live on YouTube and we'll do our best to get to those over the duration of the next hour or so so I'm going to welcome along Tom Scallon and Tomas O'Rourke who are patiently waiting backstage uh, I think Tomas O'Rourke's microphone might be muted uh, but we'll try to correct that in a moment. I'll also correct the screen thing, which is going to go on me. Gentlemen, how are we getting on? Good, Ah, let's look, we're not going too bad. Now, we tell you, we, we put a little spa- bit of spare work in trying to get G2 agents. And I know Mr. O'Rourke here isn't a massive fan of these podcasts. And Tom's telling, I don't know if you are either, but you've no, put a bunch of this previously. So this won't be as daunting now as it might be for, for Mr. O'Rourke here. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> you don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. Lads, you're both very welcome. And as you can see, it's a bit of crack. Uh, we we try to be Pat Short here as opposed to Pat Kenny, and this is the whole format <laughs> there is really podcast. But lads, you're doing great things over the last couple of years. Um, and I'm even going down through this year so far. Three rallies, three class wins. Am I right in saying that? Yeah, that's right, yeah. That's fair going, by. So what's the what's the secret here, lads? Don't handle right. either. <laughs> Heave a heavy right was... foot, that's the secret. What's that? Heavy right foot, he was saying. Yeah, heavy right foot. I know, but I suppose, in fairness, um, the big team the car we have, I suppose, is keeping it reliable. And uh, I know it's not the most competitive class out there. Not, not in recent years. In years gone by, it was, it was a very competitive class. But a lot of guys now have moved on to rally R5s and different bits and pieces. But uh, still, you have to finish. And, um, you know, I suppose the main thing is keeping it reliable. And, um, there's a way of driving a car, especially a group, a group N car, to make it be reliable. Because um, you're only using, you know, standard, your standard basic parts, you have a standard drive chain, um, which is really the, the secret of, of keeping it reliable is being easy on the car and um, trying to work with the weak points and uh, just just try to just 
basically help the car not break down. <laughs> yeah, well, you're doing a fairly good job of it anyway. So, yeah. I'm right in saying, was it five or six different championships last year he took honours in, lads? Yeah, it would have been, yeah. There were like four, four, definitely five at some time, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, there was. What well, we got? We got the well, the national was the main, I suppose. The top part, the border, and um, we won the in, in the southeast. Uh, one more, southern four. We won southern four. Um, yeah, I think, I think that. Oh, the mid. We, we did the midlands. Yeah, the, well. the midlands one years ago. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that six. You seem you yeah. seem to have the reliability part down to a T because yeah well you'd never be you'd never be 100 sure but um you just try and do the best you can I suppose it was a while to figure the car out I've had the car now um I suppose we have, we've been in the UNL for about four years but I suppose we missed a bit there with COVID but um so we kind of figured it out eventually and um you know I, I would be one to spend on the car like <laughs> I'd always try to do it the cheap way um but. <laughs> But the Evo, you kind of have to do spend a little bit any on the car, and um, it's not as expensive as people. I was always led to believe it was a very expensive car to run, but I mean, probably after clocking up three thousand kilometers in the car, stage kilometers in the car, and I worked it out that we're, we're probably running the car for less than four euro a kilometer. And uh, I'm all, I'm always surprised to hear the, these guys telling me you can run an R5 for the same for the same price as a Group N Evo. So I don't know if you can run an R5 for four euro a stage kilometer. But uh, if you can, I certainly might be interested in buying one. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you might take the funds as you. Uh, you have the, the Evo a good while now this stage, Tom, don't you? Yeah, well, we have, we've had it uh, four years, I think, at this stage. Um, we've done the... Uh, had a good national date, 2018? Yeah. Um, initially, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was the first goal. And then obviously we, we lost a year there. So with the COVID and a bit more than a year, didn't we? Um, nearly two years, yeah. Huh? It's almost two years we nearly lost her with that. Two really. years, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, no, we're, it took us a while to figure it out. The mm. car, um, I think we did, the first few rallies we'd done, the four wheel drive wasn't working on the car. We only had two wheel drive, we couldn't figure out why it was going sideways the whole time. And, <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, we kind of figured it out by ourselves uh, as we went along, and um, just, yeah. Yeah, Rick Panizzi going around years ago. Uh, <laughs> Rick Gene Panizzi going around. Of course, all the, any, any of the guys in the class were telling me that's the way to go. That's, that's, that's the way to go. You know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, boys, the, the two of you are at this crack a long, long time. In fairness, it has to be said. And Mr. Scanlon, I'll start with you. Yeah, got rather a long time now. RHF started back in what's a long time ago. Now. I don't even think about how many years ago that. But yeah, it's a long time ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sure, sitting with Tom, I suppose now. Only 15 years now, the shirt, I think, this time. So, I think it was 2008 was the first time I sat with him. So, yeah, yeah, it goes back to the Civic, yeah, back to the Civic, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I we've always had, I've always driven just group end cars because basically, back to the same thing again, the cost factor, uh, always trying to go as fast as I could, as cheap as I could, and um, the group end car was always the cheapest car to run, especially. In a, just in, in the two liter car and that Honda Civic we had, I mean, that, that thing was on me. Huh? That was not really car, that was No, basically nothing. Um, and uh, you know, you, you look back on the results we had in it, I mean, uh, <clears throat> it just showed you where things moved on, but we, we've had a few top 10 finishers in that car, you know. Um, I think we were ninth in West Cork, were we? 2009. Yeah. Ninth in West Cork, yeah. You know, so this shows you what basically, uh, 
finishes you can have in these cars. And I suppose it was the same as the, the class four car, the E1. I was doing I mean, some great results in them, but they're being left behind now with technology. They haven't, they're still at the same level and everything else has moved on. Hmm. Yeah. And lads, in fairness, like in terms of your families, these are both big, mad rally families. Like, you know what I mean? It's, uh, <clears throat> it's crazy the way, and it's not just rallying, but all sports seems to be nearly hereditary. You're born into it. I suppose when you grow up around it and, you know, it's on it's on your doorstep as well a lot of the time, you've you no other choice, right? But it, it is mad how you see it generation to generation and there's so many rally families out there still um, that uh, I just think is I just think it's remarkable. But it's, uh, it is an expensive taste, but it is quite rewarding, Mr. O'Rourke, isn't it? Oh, it is, yeah. But for like for me, there was no, never any chance of getting away from it. Um, you know, my father was heavily involved with with um, motorsport all his life, and um, he would have farmed himself. And uh, sure was so uh, Tommy Morn and uh, Eddie Hopkins. Uh, my mother, of course, would have farmed the Wexford Motor Club, mm. and there was probably one or two others. I think their names, but um, so <clears throat> and he would have been <clears throat> uh, heavily involved in getting Castle on board the back. Going way back now, before your time, Kevin, and um, but you know, it came on board with great um prize funds and stuff that's attracted some some of the best drivers from from Ireland and um England, you know, and um so, but his main love was um was track racing. It was it was he wasn't that he wasn't as, he'd done a few rallies, but mainly track racing. So I was dragged around as a small age uh, to all these events all over the country. And um, so there was no getting away for. And uh, I think the first time, the first proper car I sat in a rally car was um, was the uh, Scona 400. My uh, father was looking after it because he for dealer up team Ireland, which again he would have been involved in farming that as as he was an open dealer. And guy <clears throat> went on board, and uh, the idea of it was every every dealer would would uh, contribute uh, a small amount of money per unit. The fundest dealer up team Ireland and then involved, you know, the rallying and um, circuit racing to promote the Opel cars. But uh, so we were, he had the job of looking after the car that's going for 100. He was Rosemary Smith was driving at the time. And uh, I remember, I don't know what age I was, but I was only a young fella and taking it for, in the passenger seat now. And he, he was testing it after doing some work on it. And uh, I'd never forget the sensation of the speed in that car. And, um, you know, I think. From that day onwards, I just it was this was for me, you know. I needed it, needed more of it. <laughs> scratch, scratch the Easter, as the fella said. And when we'd asked Michael on a couple of years ago, I think he mentioned a guy was it Dave Stenson, um, um, very much involved in partnerships and things uh, at that particular point. And he reckons that bringing him for a, a drive played a big part in in getting them on board for from his point of view. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if you ever kind of maybe cross paths there, but that's another big name from from that particular era. And it's yeah. mad even to this day that has stood the test of time. And while we're on the topic of uh, car dealerships, there's probably one or two you should give a mention to while you're here. Are you going yeah, to hide yourself? Get away from the old. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, of course, yeah. Margot, of course, uh, you know, the other half, uh, Stanley Motors, um, obviously the main Honda dealer in the, in the, in the southeast, one in South Exford. And um, so obviously, yeah, without, without her support there, you know, sure, this rallying wouldn't be possible at all, you know. Um, so, yeah, I have to give her a bit of a mention anyway. <laughs> I'm 100% Nick. She's always there, Nick. And it's very supportive, you know. It's very good, Nick. 
yeah, yeah. Forward, forward thinking as well. I've had a few chats with Margot. Um, uh, I like, I like the, I like the way she thinks, I like the way she operates, and uh, do you know what? Gets rallying. That's the whole you all. Okay. She That's gets rallying. Thing. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. You, you talk to you're baiting your head off a wall. They just don't get. It. They don't understand. <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. You know, she, like, she, suppose, she yeah. But but the fact I suppose she's she's rallied herself, so yeah. she understands what it's about, and um, she probably only really never really. Want to be that competitive, just more done it for the crack more than anything else. But she can still go hard when she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Tom, I must ask you about Graham this year. He's obviously going in a COC for uh, the Wexford Stages Rally. Another very impressive book, oh, I have to say. Measured, calm, yes. you know. And uh, he doesn't seem in any way phased or daunted by this. I mean, it's probably uh, water off a duck's back, I guess, yeah? No, well, I suppose he's been involved with it, to be fair, for the last few years in the background. And uh, he has his homework done, so yeah, he's taking on the roles, big role to take on, and I wish him the best of luck with it. But um, yeah, he, he has his head screwed on, he'll have a good team around him, so and he's, he's good at getting people to help him as well, you know. And as you said, he's calm in the situation he needs to be, so yeah, so hopefully it will all go well for him. Hmm. Question, lads, before we finish up, it's actually something that we would got up and down over the past couple of years in relation to to Extra Motor Club and the show they run, and particularly after last year, how, how good it is, how well. Marshals get treated and it's held in such high esteem. So it begs the question: uh, Would, would or has there been much conversation with Troa, and is there an interest there? Would there be an interest there? It's just remarkable. It buys and sells a lot of events in the country. Yeah, I don't know if there's been conversation to be honest with you. About it, I don't know, but I suppose why the Wexford Motor Club has probably realised Marshals how important they are is because there's so many competitive members in the club. It's not just guys like on the board running it. They're actually being competing members and they know the importance of the marshals. So I suppose that's where it kind of came out of really about extra motor club. Mm. You know, like, yeah. and a lot of things, you, marshals get tanked an awful lot. One thing I noticed at the weekend especially was like, there's guys there on stage entry and stage exit who don't get to see any of the action really as such. Mm. And they're very happy to do it. Like those guys don't get tanked enough, you know, and not tanked from the marshals who were out on the stages because they get to see a little bit not taken from them but them other guys like it can be a thankless job at this you know and they're standing there in the lesson or whatever so like, they definitely deserve a lot of credit to get you know mm-hmm. uh, Tom O'Rourke he didn't he didn't say too much about the, the throw I think there have you wanted to add on that <laughs> what have you wanted to add oh. in terms of the the, the, the throw a question there you know about uh, the tar- which or maybe being a tarmac round at some stage oh um uh, yeah, look at it. It's, it's it's a whole debate that one. I mean, it's it's it. You can see reasons why. You like to see it being an event, you see reasons why maybe not. But um, yeah, it's something that I don't want to get into. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Then, all right, we won't put you under pressure. That's fair. Enough. We'll ask the we can do. We can do no more. Graham will answer some night. He's on here with us. <laughs> we left. We left it to him. So lads. Um, what is the crack with G then? So a couple of weeks time, are we are we hoping to uh, to see you guys out again? There's an, is there an entry gone in for Killarney? Yeah, there's an entry gone in for Killarney, so hopefully we will get in. I mean, I heard there's, there's a big entry gone in over over 200 cars, so um, uh, hopefully we'll get a run. Uh, we had an entry in for West Cork, we didn't get out for sure. Look, somebody has to be on the reserve list. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, no, but I, I just listened to you, you were talking about the Circle of Ireland there earlier on, and um, I was laughing myself. You mentioned it being a sprint. <laughs> it certainly didn't feel like a sprint to me. I'd, I'd say it was probably, you know, one of the hardest days rallying that I've ever done. Um, 
And uh, again, like we were just talking, we had a bit of trouble. Uh, stage three, I think, at the beginning of stage three with the car, but yeah, back to the marshals, there was a couple of marshals there, and I tell you, they couldn't have done enough for us, really. Um, only for them, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have been able to keep going, you know. Um, but they got us anything we needed, any bits and pieces and bits of wire and stuff to keep the car going. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. It's funny, uh, Tom Scallon, I was chatting to... Um... I was chatting to Nestor there a little bit earlier when we were doing the running order and stuff, and I told him, I've heard very little about this, which has to be a good thing, about the event itself and the running of it. And he goes, do you know what I'm the same? It's definitely a good thing. So, <laughs> I mean, you have to give great, great credit to Cookstown Water Club, who, who always run a good show. It's no great surprise that it did go so well. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've not heard one bad thing said, so obviously it was good. People, people just don't say good things here. They only say bad things. Yeah, no, no. does not say that it's obviously good. Like you know, yeah, no, it was good. As Thomas said, there was very demanding. Though, like it was a very heavy day, Australian. Um, but totally enjoyable. Like it was, it was really good. Yeah, you lots know? of lots of jumps, lads. Here the yeah, early moments, no. The first, the first two, um, the first two stages were very tricky. You know, and I. Uh, We've we've had a few accidents and high speed bumps before, so I'm not a great fan of these high speed bumpy <laughs> stages. But uh, the second two were, were far far better. Really, especially the last, the fourth one, it was a really challenging stage and a lot of driving in it. And um, yeah, no, really, really, really nice. Very, sections were very twisty, and then you had a really kind of fast section, not not bumpy, but just over crests and stuff. And um, yeah, no, it was very very challenging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Carl Egan's in touch here uh, he says like chalk and cheese compared to last year great event well ran uh, yeah so that's the story lads look yeah. we'll, we'll leave it at that we'll chat to you again now Tom O'Rourke we weren't too bad after all were we no, <laughs> no, no. here we are we might, we might get him against Gallon. <laughs> hey listen lads keep up the good work uh, really great stuff that you're doing and thanks for coming on with us again alright thanks very much okay. Thank cheers lads thanks Tom O'Rourke, Tom Scallon there, doing great things in the Mitsubishi Evo. A uh, couple of other messages coming in. Callum Devine is in the top three drivers in the country, along with Keith Crone and Ali Fisher. Jesus, I'll tell you one thing. Um, it's uh, it's definitely a, it's a topic for, for debate, but we can't leave out Mr. Mr. Moffat there either. Mr. Evans is definitely among the mix. Uh, send us in your top three, actually. We know who the top three is in the Tarmac Championship. Who's the top three drivers? That It doesn't even have to be in the Tarmac Championship. Just uh, send them in there if you want to. Absolutely. Uh, Paul McMahon's been in touch. Mayo Quarry on the uh, 23rd great event. Uh, so we're going to bring in Mr. Terry Hegarty, our good friend from SES Productions. Evening, sir. How are you? How are you going, Kevin? Are you well? I am not too bad at all. Uh, you all recovered after the weekend and the hectic few weeks, or are you just dreading the next couple of weeks where it's just all go again? <laughs> it never stops. It never stops. The, once the season gets started in February, that's it till Christmas. You just keep going. Yeah, I hadn't time to do an out-and-out deep dive, but I figured, is April the busiest month? April has to be the busiest month so far. Mm. Um, you know, there, there hasn't <laughs> yeah. been a gap for us so far, um, really. You know, when you take into consideration, we're just home from the circuit. Uh, we've got uh, the Moonraker Forest Rally this weekend. Brilliant event. You've got another event with Maiden City the following weekend. You've got Killarney followed by San Angelo at the May Day Stages Rally up in Enniskillen the day after Killarney. So that's always a hairy run home on a Sunday night. Um, and then it just goes straight into, what do we see, where are we after, after Killarney? San Angelo, 
you're heading into the Tipperary Forest Rally, another great event that's coming back, the Sean Conlon uh, Forest mm. uh, Rally. And then straight into the Tour of the Springs, which is a big affair this year, and that's our local event. And that's around the doors here. So three fantastic stages picked, I have to say. And then straight from that, Mr. Nestor has me talked into somehow going into the uh, rally sprint down at the Limerick Race Course on the Sunday and then straight into Calvin. So it just, as I say, the, the calendar just keeps going between the ANICC dates here in the north and then you've got the Motorsport Ireland dates in the south. Um, there's a weekend somewhere everywhere, you mm. know. And you know what? If that was just for in-car cameras, it'd be something. But you took on what some would say is an unenviable task, really, with uh, the tracking operation. So my first question would be, why? And how much Panadol do you take every week? <laughs> do you have to answer that one honestly? Um, why? Why did I do it? If I'm being honest with you, um, it was it was been talked about for a long time. You know, and as we know, Killian tried to trial a sports track system years ago and we've seen the pros and cons of it. And it, this was revolutionary for rallying. This really was something that we all seen was badly needed. You know, I know I know a lot of people would have said, look, we could ro- run rallies without it. But once you've run a rally with the tracking system, you really don't want to look back. You don't want to go back to the old days. It's not a replacement for anything. It, it never was going to replace any existing system. It's an added bonus on top of all the systems we've put in place up till mm-hmm. now. You know, um, my dear neighbours here, uh, uh, Chris Rogers and Shane O'Neill, were in a very serious uh, fatal accident. Uh, poor Shane O'Neill lost his life in the accident in Monaghan. I think it was 2002, if I'm right. I might be wrong there. And, uh, you know, when you've seen the, how important it is for you to stop at the competitor, if you don't see an OK board, you must stop with that car and make sure the crew are OK. You know, we're all relying on each other to, to watch out and see if, if we can look after each other on the stages. So when when that, uh, you know, tragic accident happened, it, it really highlighted the importance of the OK and SOS board. And once that system came in, I don't think there was anybody ever argued with it. You carry that board, you show it. You know, if you're stopped on the stage, you if you're okay and you don't need help, then you get that okay board out for the, the next car to see. And with the tracking system, all you have now is an added bonus of being able to tell everybody in the control room that you're also okay um, and things like that. Or if you need help, you know, there's that button right beside you. And that's why fitting of the trackers is so important. You know, you must make sure these uh, bits of equipment are fitted correctly so that if, God forbid, you are uh, incapacitated in the car, um, like poor Chris there was uh, paralyzed from the waist down uh, and he was stuck beside Shane and you wouldn't have known Shane had anything wrong with him. He was unconscious by the look of it, but that was it. And until the, the services were sent into the stage and was able to say, you know, how how tragic it was at the end. You wouldn't have known there was anything wrong with them. The cars that passed them on the stage simply thought that they had slipped into a ditch and couldn't get back out again. It was so innocent looking from the outside, looking in. Mm. No one realized what had happened in the car. So mm. that's why it's so vitally important that you stop. If you don't see an OK board, if you don't see any board, um, you stop. You must stop with your fellow competitor and make sure they're OK. You know, stage times are important, don't get me wrong, but that can be sorted out after. 
it's a case of you really do need to stop with with the guys and make sure they're a hundred percent. And it's it is funny when I watch some of the onboards every week, and you get a guy who stops with a car, and argues the bit out with him and says, "Where is your OK board? Why did you not display it? Get out of your car and show it to let your fellow competitors know you're all right." Um, but when you've gone off the stage or you've broke down or whatever, you're bound to be filled with emotion where oh. You know, you could say every curse word under the sun and you'll drop that car into the ground and all the rest of it. But it's so difficult to be mindful of the all the guys coming behind you and everybody else around you that you be mindful of them because they're concerned about you. So mm. it's it's all about communication. You know, I think it's it's one of those things where we have to make sure that we look out for each other. Ireland, I think, is one of the only countries in the world where we run at 30 second intervals. And that help is only 30 seconds behind you should something go wrong. And we rely on that so heavily. So that helps there. Uh, and, and if you don't need it, let the lads race their own rally on, put out your OK board. They'll not hesitate. They'll not lose any time. They can truck on to the end of the stage. But mm. you're interrupting their race if you're not being mindful. And they have mm. to stop with you to make sure you're okay. And then now that we've added the tracking system, it's also to be mindful of it. And mm. there is a, a team of people in that control room that are watching over every car, trying to make sure that all those dots that start the stage get all the way to the end of the stage. And when they stop on the stage, uh, I was in the control room last Sunday in the, at the Circuit of Kerry, and it's still a problem where some cars are not pressing the OK button. And that just means the people in the control room are going to torture you on the phone until you pick up uh, or we'll ring the nearest marshal or we'll ring anybody we can think of to try and make sure you're okay. Thankfully, in the majority of cases, it was just a case of somebody broke down or somebody had to stop or somebody went up an escape road and couldn't find reverse to get back down it again and, and things like that there. And they were so caught up in the moment that they didn't think to press okay to let us know all's well, no need, no help needed. But uh, it just leaves the team in the control room wondering, if you're not pressing your OK button, is it because you can't? Hmm. Should we stop the stage immediately? Should we be sending in services? And you don't want to ruin everybody's rally by making a mistake, but I think we're getting to that stage now where we will stop a stage and send in services because we can't take the chance that you might not be OK. Hmm. So it's it's a tricky one and it's something that every team and every control room for every event all over the world now as tracking becomes more the norm uh is going to have that dilemma all the time of deciding do we send in the the services to the stage or is it simply a mistake now i know he hates this being brought up and i and i i don't mean to embarrass him or anything else but we have a competitor here at home that was once fined a very severe amount of money for hitting the wrong button on a tracker on a world championship event. And when you've seen that fine, like I think it was something like 2,000 euros for not pressing the right button on the tracker. Event, you know, it ended, up, it ended up that they had to stop the stage and it interrupted the whole rally and there was no emergency needed. It was mm -hmm. simply a mistake. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're at the day of having to issue fines yet, but I'd hate to see that happen to be brought in simply because competitors are not being mindful. So, no, it's getting there. Like, this this is our, well, this is my fourth year now in tracking. So, whenever you take uh, on board the, the 
the progression we have made, the, 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 the how far things have come, how much better things are since we began this whole thing in 2020. Um, it's definitely made a lot of progress. It's definitely getting there. But we still have to keep on with the education, with the communication, trying to make competitors and their service crews aware of what's involved with the tracking system, both with the units, how they're fitted, and what goes on in the control room. I, I still believe that there's a lot of misconceptions out there, that there's some sort of magical software package that knows what you're thinking, and it's able to relay it to all the other cars by magic, um, uh, and things like that there. It, the tracking system can only react to what you send it. You know, if you're in a car and you give us the signals back to the control room, that helps us make decisions in the room how to get those uh, responses out to the other cars. So one of the complaints I've heard time and time again is, why wasn't I warned that the stage was blocked? It could be as simple as we weren't told it was blocked. We seen the dots stopped. We didn't know that the stage was blocked. Do we, do we ruin that stage for everybody by immediately canceling every stage where a car stops and presses no buttons? That's up for debate. I would hate to see that we would be losing nine stages out of nine, but simply because competitors weren't pressing the buttons correctly. So, mm -hmm. no, the, I was delighted when you asked me about being on here tonight. I think it's very important that, and I want to encourage people, if you're watching this now and you want to put questions in below, send in your questions. I'll answer them to the best of my ability. It's about getting the education out there and clarifying any questions and any confusion people have over what's the correct procedures. What should you do in this example or that example? But very basically, if you stop on a stage and it's an unscheduled stop, so for example, you've got a puncture, you need to change a wheel or something has gone wrong with the car and you need to uh, make a repair or whatever the case is, maybe that's you retired for the day, um, then you press the OK button. You let the people in the control room know that you're fine. If uh, you need an ambulance, if it's that serious and you have uh, you need services sent in, it's the SOS button. It's clear as day. Mm -hmm. you know, and they're the two most important buttons you'll ever press. Hmm. So I'm going to ask a very, there's a good few questions coming in actually, Terry, which I'll get to in a moment here, right? But yep. um, if I could ask firstly, uh, we'll use, we'll say, just say Clarny for an example, right? I could use this weekend either, but just say on Friday when scrutiny's on or whatever, at, at what point am I pulling up and receiving my tracker and who is the onus on to actually install it? At the moment, it's the crews themselves that have to install the unit uh, okay. or the equipment, sorry, to put it in a better way. So, for example, uh, on the continent where Four Rally will do most of their events, they will be present at Recce sign-on. Mm -hmm. And you will carry this unit on Recce, mm -hmm. and then they'll hand it over to their service crew or install it themselves, depending on whether you're talking about a team large enough to have a, a large service crew, or maybe it's a couple of fellas that, or women who are out there competing by themselves and don't have the budget for a large team. But it's down to the competitors them, themselves to install it. Now, we, we have produced a couple of videos and we have a lot of documentation, both uh, produced by ourselves and by Motorsport Ireland, that uh, shows everybody what to do, how to install it, so on and so forth. Uh, and there's a team of us available at Scrutiny for every event um, to be there to answer questions, to help out in any way we can. And on a few occasions, we've been asked to go and install the unit for them. Mm. We can't do that for every car. I wish we could, you know, because with the cameras, it's simple. 
one of us installs it for you. We do everything for you from start to finish. All you have to do is turn it on and off for every stage. But with the tracking systems, unfortunately, there is just so many cars. You've mm-hmm. got maybe, like if you take West Cork, for example, you had 160 main field. You had 31, 32 historics. You had 11 juniors. There's no way you're getting that fitted in a day. And it's definitely mm-hmm. not going to be fitted in the six or seven hours of scrutiny. So to have a team of people there to install every single one of those, the cost would be astronomical. Yeah, just to have that large a team to go through all of those cars. So I don't think it has ever been a case of uh, we're expected to fit them. I know a few people have made smart comments online and stuff like that. But no, the onus is on the competitor to install the equipment and all the documentation and videos are there. And I'll make more if needs be. Um, to show you how to fit it and how to operate it. The big problem is not a lot of people are reading the documentation and a lot of people are not watching the videos. Um, they're only two or three minutes long each, I promise you. They, you know, All right, it's me in it and maybe not everybody likes my voice. I'll, I'll accept that, that's fine. But if, uh, if you can stomach me for those three minutes, I do fit a camera aided very professionally by Alan McGeehan of McGeehan Motorsport. And we installed a tracker into, I think it was Joe McGonagall's Fiesta R5. And the great thing about uh, at McGeehan's is that they have made their own wee base plates and, and different bits and pieces for putting the controls uh, in the same place every time at every event. Um, and the box goes on the on the div, uh, diagonal bar behind the B-pillar. Next to the window, I, I like it to be as close to the center of that side window as I can get it because it can see the sky out at a 45 degree angle. And that means I have a connection to a satellite and I'm happy, you know, and that gives us the best possible signal um, available to us. If you fit it, now, we do hear this, right? Now, I promise you, they walk among us. This is God's honest truth. I have found trackers fitted under seats. I have found them behind footwells and footplates. I have found them in the middle of the, where the back seats would go, beside a fire extinguisher. Um, I even had one car, right? which was a Subaru, I'm nearly sure it was a Subaru Impreza, that was fitted by an engineer that should know better, but he claims that he didn't, um, where the buttons and the box were both fitted in the roll cage behind the driver's seat. I don't know how they were supposed to reach that with belts on, but Hmm. that was their interpretation of where to fit them. The box, now, look, I have to admit, it looks heavy. Hmm. It's not heavy. It's really not heavy. Right, but when you see something like this in, in being handed to you at scrutiny, you might think, "Oh, I need to get the weight of this down low somewhere," because mm. let's face it, it's a competitive edge, right? Mm. Everybody wants the best advantage, and they want to keep the best uh, lower ce- uh, center of gravity. Mm-hmm. So they'll fit this somewhere on the floor, or in the case of one famous Mark II driver, he had it down the side of the seat. And I'm not mentioning any names, but now when he's rebuilding the car, please leave a wee space for this, you know, at the mm. back of the car. But no, look, it's it's one of those things where it's 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 a, a transmitter, and the smooth side of it here, not the bit with the groove. The groove has to go to the roll cage, right? And that sits on your diagonal bar behind your B pillar, and I tilt it towards the window, and I just get a clear connection to the satellite, and that's me, and I'm happy. That's the transmitter side. Everything's good. That's the battery side. And for all the lads that keep fitting this facing the window, the battery's facing the window and the satellite can't see it at all. So please, that way out. Mm -hmm. And that's it. 
and that's the box part of it and i swear there's no weight in it worth a damn it's not going to give anybody a disadvantage competing on a stage it just has to be close to a transparent surface where it can broadcast out of the car uh you'd you'd be surprised there's been quite a few cars now where depending on how much aluminium's involved and other uh, materials that do give off a bit of interference. The further into the car you go with one of these boxes, the more interference it picks up. Now, it's not dead completely. It's not lost signal completely. You could fit one of these, as, as one of the lads pointed out to me one day, they had a, a tracker fitted uh, in a very discreet place underneath the, the bulkhead of the car, and they could still get a signal from it. It's true. You will still get a signal from this. Mm -hmm. But when you're on a stage in a very remote area of the world, Let's face it, that's where our stages live. They live in whatever roads and mountains and places that the least amount of residence is on whenever it comes to PR and an event for clubs. You don't want to be torturing too many people on a rally whenever it's running. You know, if you have a, a stage full of houses, let's face it, there's houses popping up everywhere. But you try and pick stages in the most remote places possible. And that's where a lot of the best roads are. These things need the as much signal as you can give them. Right. Whenever you're sent for help, you want this thing to be able to sing loud and clear all the way back to the control room. You don't want to be putting anything in its way. You mm -hmm. don't want to be fitting it under the seat. You don't want to be fitting it somewhere silly where there's so much material between this and the sky. You want this close to a window. You want it to be able to sing loud and clear. And that's why we ask to put it close to that side window behind the seat. Um, as I say, the, the, not every car has a diagonal bar behind the B pillar. I understand that, but the concept's the same. Uh, there was an Audi at Scrutiny one weekend. They asked me, could they fit it close to the? Um, it was a hatchback boot lid, so there was a large window at the back, and they asked me, could they fit it at the center of the cage near it? Of course, it's near. It's at the center of a transparent surface. It's it's the same theory it's the same uh, procedure and protocol have it somewhere where it is getting the least amount of interference and the best possible signal and that's why you have it high up and close to that window so that's the box part of it and as i say you know it's it's very straightforward that's ratchet strapped to the cage there are base plates coming for these there is i was talking to raymond moore of race and rally um, once they get a concept finalized, they will be available for, for sale from Race and Rally and from other vendors. And we have agreed that we'll carry anything with us to Scrutiny. If guys want to, to sell them at Scrutiny, we'll have them available with the trackers as soon as they're ready. Um, and that will make things a lot easier for people, especially those of us like myself that don't like ratchet straps. That'll mm -hmm. come in very handy for that. Now, the cable and the buttons is the next bit mm -hmm. that has to be installed now the idea with the buttons obviously is you, there's other tracking systems out there we could all name the name but we already know it where everything's one unit and i understand that it's so convenient it's small it's light but normally it's fitted on the windscreen the front bar the, the a pillar or somewhere close to that where it can get the best signal and it makes sense it makes sense that it's fitted up there that's where it gets its, its signal from but I don't see anybody being able to reach it with the, the belts on. That's that's something that concerns me. And I think it concerned the designers of this system whenever they were putting it together. You can't reach the buttons when you're belted in. And if you bring that device closer to you so that you can reach the buttons when you're belted in, then it means that it's losing signal. It's not in the most optimum place to be able to work properly. 
So the guys came out with this breakout box with all the buttons on it. So that you have your big box with your transmitter and your battery pack in it, and it's behind you, and it's in the best possible location, hopefully, for signal. And then all the buttons are brought forward to you. And then you can have these situated. The regulation reads that the buttons must be installed between the, the two crew where they can both reach them and they can both see them. And the idea of seeing them is that you've got two wee red LEDs. Well, if I can get my fingers in the right place, here and here. And whenever they light up red, that's the stage has been red flagged. And that's mm -hmm. the stage stopped. Right, that's mm -hmm. it. That's the stage cancelled. There's no point in you knocking your pan in, going ten tenths, trying to get a stage time. Save the car, return to, down to normal road speed or a, a slow, careful speed. Because when you go around the next blind corner or over the next blind crest, you might find that there's a queue of cars or an incident or something that we were trying to warn you about. That's not the only reason, but that's one of the main reasons why we would red flag you. Um, I had a guy in Latvia not that long ago who came up to me, big Russian fella, and massive, and came running up to me, giving off why I stopped the stage for him. He was having a brilliant stage, and he was quite annoyed with me that I had stopped it. Wanted to know why, because he drove to the end of the stage and didn't see any incidents. There was no blockages. There was no reason to cancel it as far as he was concerned. Why did we stop it? And I had to kind of explain to him that one of the residents along the stage had taken a heart attack and we had to send the services in. So we needed all the, the cars off the stage as soon as possible so that the services could get to that resident. And once he fully realized that he never thought of something like that happening, he had to back down and go, oh, oh, that's fair enough. Oh, sorry. Um, I never thought of that. Mm. And it's wee things like that to get thrown up during an event that really test you that mm. we things that can come out of the blue and sort of make you think and go, well, how do you handle this? And you can't hesitate. Like it's a, it's a case of the stage has stopped mm. and that's it. You know, it's life or death. You send in, there just so happened to be an ambulance at the start of that stage. And that resident was a very lucky person because they had medical services closer to them than ever before. Mm. And they were able to get the help that bit sooner. So it worked out well on that occasion, thank God. And everything was okay. But he had no clue because we have no way at the minute of being able to get that kind of information into the cars that quickly. But whenever he was coming back at the end and we were collecting all the trackers back in again, we were able to tell him what happened. And then he was happy enough. But sometimes things like that can happen. Sometimes mm. that you'll, you'll not understand why the stage had to be red flagged or, or you know, why everything was, was stopped on you. And it's the team in the room trying to handle a scenario that's been thrown at them that they have to deal with. And whenever it's life and death, there's no question. The rallying comes second, lives come first. And that's all it is. You know, that's all there is to it. There, there's no if or doubt or questioning it in any way, shape or form, you know, especially when residents are the reason why we can rally these roads. They're letting us take over their turf for the day and, and, and have a bit of fun. And we're at, you know, their mercy. So when they're gracious enough to let us do that, the best thing we can do is put them first. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't think anybody will argue with that. But those buttons, as I say, so important. I've seen them put in all sorts of funny places. But those buttons are so important that you put them where you can both reach them and you can especially see them. If we're going to red flag you, you want to see, where's my fingers? You want to see those two red lights light up. And there's a siren that goes off. I could demo it, but it's loud. 
Uh, and yep. this is this is not the demo version I have with me, by the way. This is the actual live version. So this thing, you'll not miss it. You'll mm. definitely not miss it. And if there's any videos online on YouTube and that any onboards that you see with a red flag goes off on it, you can watch it. You can see for yourself. You're not going to miss that. Um, I've had quite a few lads say to me it has scared the bejesus out of them because they weren't expecting it when it went mm. off. Now, I think most competitors have seen it happen by now. But no, those two red lights come on. That gets your attention. And if that doesn't, the siren will. And there's two very important things you have to remember if you are red flagged, right? And this is important now. If you're red flagged and you're not sure what to do, the first thing is slow down. I'm not telling you to stop. Whatever you do, don't stop. Drive on, but slow down, right? Because the next blind, whatever, the next blind corner, jump, crest, whatever, could have something that we're trying to warn you about at the other side of it. So you be on high alert the minute you see this thing go off. Mm. And then you reach up and you see this green lit button. That's your OK button. You press that for a good two seconds, like that. And that does two things. Number one, it tells us in the control room that you're OK, you've received the signal, and that you're going to slow down. The second thing that does for you, and I know a lot of boys are going to kick me when I say this because they didn't know this up until now. When you press the OK button, it silences the alarm. Oh. So there's been a lot of guys that had to suffer that alarm all the way to the end of the stage <laughs> because they never pressed the OK button. Yeah. And they've been sitting in the car going, oh, whatever, would somebody please knock that racket off? Yeah. It's, the button's here. You can knock it off yourself, right? So it's very important that you knock that off. You press that button and you let us in the control room know that you're okay. And mm -hmm. that's that's the vital thing. With our system, there's two extra buttons here at the side. Okay. Mm -hmm. One is marked road blocked or stage blocked. That's this one. And there's the other one is fire. And that's this one. Right. And they're very specific. But the great thing about it is whenever you flick on the road blocked button, like that. It is a way of telling us, right, the stage is blocked. We can then radio into the start line and say, hold the stage, right? So all the competitors can be held so that no more cars are going to make it worse. Then the clock starts. We've got 10 minutes. That's the rule at the minute. We have 10 minutes to restart that stage. And we can then get on the phones with the competitors and the marshals in the area, try and coordinate getting the stage cleared by whatever means, somehow, some way. And we will rely heavily on the advice on the ground of people that can actually see what's wrong uh, to tell us, I reckon we can get this cleared. There's maybe a few of us here. We'll push the car to the one side or whatever's blocking the stage and we'll get it going again. Hmm. But if it's a serious incident and it's too much for the people that's there and they can't clear the stage, then the important thing is to get the word into the tracking room straight away that the stage is lost that there's no way of clearing that or if you need extra help or if there's anything else that needs done then it's a coordinated effort between us and the competitors and the marshals on the ground to get that stage cleared because we don't want to lose any stages during the event we never want to lose any stages the cars that are all sitting on the start line waiting to get their turn are hoping and praying that between our efforts right because we all know what it's like to be sitting on a start line and waiting to hear, is the stage going to run or are we going to lose this one? Are we going to have to go alternative roadbook and hope that the next one runs? And with the Rally 2 system, 
now allowing cars back in after retirement and with the tracking system now hoping to keep every stage going it means competitors are getting more value for money all the time you know it's long gone are the days of going out on the first stage because you broke down and having to go home because you can't re-enter the rally you know if you can fix your car and go rally too you'll get more value for money because you can get back in the rally if we can work with the competitors and marshals on the ground to keep every stage live and get all the cars through it or as many cars as possible through it then that means you get even more value for money hmm. and that's why and it's so important you'll notice we were handing out orange stickers to all the competitors that have been getting the tracking system up now we hand out an orange sticker it's available to anybody i know we've handed out a lot of them to people that already had them but there's a phone number on that sticker that will never change uh, when we came back from the COVID break or from the, the break of the pandemic, we set a phone number in place that will never change. It's, it's always going to be the same phone number and it's going to be at every single Motorsport Ireland event. And even I carry it with me at other events too, just in case there's an emergency, like when we're at the Tour of the Sparrows or when we're at a, another Northern Ireland event, I'll always have that phone handy just in case there's an emergency and that competitor maybe only knows that number. But that number means that you can get a direct line into the tracking room and you can say whatever the information is say for example give us five minutes we'll get this stage cleared or we've got the fire out uh, between us and it's okay to restart the stage or no there's no way no how we're going to have this cleared in 10 minutes just to let you know that there's several cars involved we need something come in here and lift them etc etc you don't know whatever the scenario is right mm. um and that communication is key the tracking system is more than just dots on the map i can't emphasize that enough the tracking system is about communication it's about competitors marshals officials all working together to keep the rally running and, and running safely safely obviously but that's why it's all about the phones now in the past when we were in the rally car a lot of people will turn off their phones it, it it with old uh, intercom systems of the past that weren't shielded you would have heard this did it did it did it did it, did it all the way down the stage in the helmets and nobody wants that interference nobody wants that coming into the into the, your helmets where you can't escape it once you have the helmet on you there's no escape on that you know mm -hmm. so with more modern intercom systems that's no longer a problem and with a lot of the stilo systems that are being used now and i think now, if David Moynihan or somebody can keep me right on this, with one of the new Bell Zero Noise systems that are being used, I think it also can be Bluetooth to the phone. So the Bluetooth connectivity of your intercom system to your phone is going to become more and more vital going forward. There's other ways of getting around that, don't get me wrong. I, I, I know it's, it's possible still to be able to talk through the phone without it, but it's going to be so key going forward where you could get a call from the control room or you might want to make a call into the control room and uh, exchange information on a stoppage or on an incident on a stage and having that uh, involvement of the phone more and more as we go forward is going to become so vital um mm. now he's going to say i did this deliberately and i suppose i am but the best example i can give you i have an onboard footage here of anthony nestor um, I can't remember if he was sitting with Stuart Bickerstaff or somebody else, but he's sitting in a queue of cars waiting to get through a blockage. And he's on the phone and he's he's dialing the number on the phone and it goes through the Bluetooth system and he's straight into the control room and he's trying to get all the information that he can see on the stage from where he is into the control room so that they know what they're dealing with. 
Mm. You know, when you, you remember last year when I was showing you the mapping system and yeah. the screens and the laptops, you have dots on a map and you have telemetry coming through, but it's not the same as seeing it. It's not mm. the same as fully realizing the terrain and what's the other side of the stage, what you've got to work with. You've got a map that might show you an escape road or a lane or somebody's yard. You know, you look at it from an, a satellite aerial view, you might be able to see certain things, but it's not the same. Uh, it's good, but it's not the same as being there. It's not the same as being able to look at it and say, you know, unless we do X, Y, and Z, we're not going to get the stage clear. And to get that experience through from the competitors, to get that feedback is vital. So if there's a way of increasing the communication between the competitors and the control room, that's what we're after. That's what we're trying to achieve. So that phone number, I promise you, it will never change. And those orange stickers will be available at every scrutiny. And we're trying our best to make sure every car has them so that you can keep in touch with us, but also store the number in your phone so that when you see it come up on your phone in the rally car, you know it's not Patty from down the road just seeing how you're doing during the rally. It's important. It's the MI tracking team and they're trying to get in touch with you so that they can get information. Maybe the reason they're ringing you is because they can't get somebody else to answer the phone. You might be three cars back from it, but mm. the reason they're ringing you is because they've tried everybody in front of you and nobody's answering the phone. And that has been a frustration of ours up until now too, is that guys are out of the car, maybe trying to help clear the stage, maybe trying to help move a car that has crashed or whatever off the stage. But all the phones are still lying in the car. So mm. we can't get word from them. They're separated from their phones. So there's just that procedure of if this one doesn't answer ring this one and if this one doesn't answer ring that one and you just keep going till you get an answer from somebody so that you can get more information into the room but those switched on navigators and there's been quite a few of them now and i'm so grateful to every one of them who have been on the ball and the minute they come across something they ring into the control room and that has been vital up until now is getting that information so no it's it's great so it's using the buttons that's a very 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 simple way of telling us what's going on the stage is blocked or there's a fire that needs dealt with or you're okay or god forbid you ever have to flick that one up right i mm. hope none of you ever have to i really do that means there's an ambulance needed you know you don't flick that up for any other reason right that's the sos button means sos that means an ambulance is required mm. you know and that like to flick this up and say, oh, we're broke down and somebody needs to tow us for a lift, that's a no-no. You know, that is serious. That one there is ambulance. Mm. So, but this wire is something, this cable is something that has to be talked about now too. Um, yeah. I've yeah. noticed And I've loads the, of comments for you as well, by the way, yeah, just to let you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, and well, we'll get to them. I promise yeah. we'll get to them. Um, and if we don't get to them in this show, I'll answer as many as I can afterwards. Yeah. This cable has been, I've seen it in several cars now, where they put the cable, I understand why, but it's a no-no. It's a big faux pas. If you put this cable over the roll cage, between the cage and the roof skin, or the outer body of the car, that's a big no-no. A big no-no. And we've seen it before, where if the car is involved in an accident, it could be a roll, or it could be a slide into a wall, or it could be anything at all, where the outer body of the car, the outer skin of the car comes in and severs the cable, hmm. then these are no good to you. And you can't send for help. 
you know it's not about damages it's not about units getting damaged we can fix we can fix units that's not the issue the issue is is that you're not safe if these buttons don't work so they're beeping away but there's no connection because the wire has come away from the transmitter basically yeah having the breakout box with all the buttons and the sirens and the lights and everything in it is so key to bring everything closer to the competitor to make it more convenient like if for god forbid for whatever reason you couldn't get out of your seat and you needed to send for help these buttons being able to be reachable and see and to see them and reach them is so vital and i know i've preached on a wee bit about people putting them in weird places and hopefully over the next, you know, after this show and, and after other webinars that are planned and things like that there, hopefully the message will get through to people that it's so important. Like when you see there's so many preparation experts up and down the country, a lot of them live around here, but right across the island, there's people saying to me, can we make a wee plate for this? Can you give me the dimensions of that of them? Because I want to make a wee thing for them in my car or in my cars. You know, there's a lot of guys that maybe prepare 20 30 cars and every single one of their cars now has a wee place for these so when you see that kind of proactive initiatives going on around the country it's brilliant and i'll send out whatever you need i've got documentation here with all the measurements i've got everything that that you could possibly want and it's also available online all of it's already up there you know if you go now to the sportity app for most events and i i was just talking to um uh, the organizers of the Moonraker Forest Rally, they're about, if they haven't done it already, they might already have it done. But if it's common, is where they have all the information on this and on the on the equipment and the procedures is about to go up on the Sport of the app. Deadly. And it would have been there for all the previous events we did. So hmm. uh, if you have, if you still have the password, you can go back and look for it. Um, Paul Nagel was in touch with me there. He's going to start getting everything ready for Killarney as well. So that's that's two upcoming events I know are being very proactive about getting the tracking information organized and, and published for the competitors. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, no, it's great to see. It's great to see. But please, when it comes to, to the common sense of the thing, keep the cable. I know it's going to be a few extra cable ties and I know it's, it's going to take an extra bit of thinking. I have to hand it to the lads that have put wee hooks and wee like cable organizer things and stuff. They've just left them on their cage. They're cable tied in there permanently. And they just literally click in the cable every event. And there's like a wee quick release thing that they've worked out for themselves. Like mm. that shows you a bit of forward thinking. You know, when mm. you see lads that are putting the unit in um, event after event and they've got it down to a T and they have it well versed and they have their wee places for everything. They have their wee place for their buttons. They have the cable all organized so it goes into wee hooks or it goes into wee things you click it into. Um, I'm not sure of the name, forgive me. It's like a it's like a wee uh, plastic um, molded, um, what would you call it? A, a wee mount for the cable and the cable literally just clicks in at the, at the push of a thumb. I thought that one was very smart. Um, yeah. You know, the rest of them I could see through, but this one was 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 definitely above and beyond and some of them have done it in such a way that there is absolutely no need for cable ties which is class you know um it just shows you they've really thought it through so no it's uh keep this inside the safety cell keep this inside the cage at all times you know uh you don't want like we do it with the cameras as well where you keep the cables just on the inside of the cage um and and, and just in case the outside gets a thump it means that there's no damage and nothing gets severed and nothing, you know, 
is is put the risk that you have to replace it at the next service or or whatever or for the following day's rally and if it's a a two-day international or whatever we're only after talking to the boys about wexford like there's another two-day event and you want this here to get through from the saturday morning to the sunday night so Mm -hmm. um and it's like i say the fantastic thing about this system is it has the power to do that you know it's not something that needs to be lifted out after the first day and recharged it can do a two three day international so you know as long as everything's looked after i was talking to anthony just before we came on air he says to me whatever you do he says don't go on and show them anything unless you have the damaged unit that we were talking about so i promised i would bring it with me this is a unit that was put on the outside of the cage between the cage and the roof skin and it was involved in a very serious accident now you probably can't see that too clearly on my wee webcam. I can. Yeah, you can see the chaw on it there, yeah. It was very close to being completely severed. Mm. And I think the lads are just lucky that it wasn't, like you can see a lot of the bare copper. Mm-hmm. All the insulation has been stripped off certain wires. I don't know if you can see that too well. Yeah, no, I can, I can, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that there was well crushed and almost completely severed. And that was involved in a roll. Hmm. So if those boys had needed assistance, thank God they didn't. But if those boys had needed services sent into the stage and that cable had been severed, they wouldn't have been able to send for help. Mm. That's my worst nightmare. Yeah. You know, so... Mm. Well, no, it's look, a lot to think about, and I know I've gone on a bit long. On no, it, no, but it's very educational, and the comments have kind of, um, you know, really matched that theme of, of what I just said as well. Um, and there is quite a few of them, so I don't know if we'll get to them all, but, uh, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. So a recent situation may or may not have been that the sounds will still go off, but because there might be damage to the wiring, that the message won't be received, Correct. Say that again, sorry, Kevin. You're grand, you're grand. Uh, if there is some damage to the cable, but yes. not completely gone off, for want of a better way of putting it, yes, it will still have an impact uh, on two things. The sound could still possibly go off, but the message may not get back to you guys. Am I right in saying that? It depends on what's damaged. It just yeah. depends on which wire is damaged. You know, we have a number of well, different... Well, there was a video... Look, I'll, I'll, I'll simplify it. There was a, a video it. recently, obviously, that is in circulation yes. that we've seen and heard all the noises going off. Mm-hmm. But apparently the message didn't get back. So no, that's, that's in line... True. Yeah, that... Sorry? That's not true. No, I okay, can... Okay, Grant. Yeah. I can, I, can, I can verify that. If you watch that video very carefully, right? Yeah. I have the telemetry from the unit and we sat down afterwards and we looked through the telemetry and we watched the video Hmm. and everything that the boys did registered on the telemetry of the unit that came through to us. Okay. But look at the sequence at which the buttons were pressed. And I I think this is something else that needs to be addressed. Now I know a number of people are going to shoot me the minute I say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. One of the things that we've had to contend with, massively since this system came in. All new systems will always have this issue. When people are new to stuff, there's going to be mistakes. But whenever you make a mistake, one of the things we agreed upon was, if you press a button by mistake, any button, if you followed it up with an okay, then we know to ignore it. We know it's just a mistake. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Perhaps this needs looked at now. Perhaps now I'm open to this. I'm open to feedback. I'm open to people saying, no, I think you should do this or I think you should do that. But what we said was, if there was a mistake made, as long as there's an OK button pressed, then we will know it's a mistake and to ignore it. If we reacted to every single SOS and fire button and roadblock button that was pressed during an event immediately, and we should, mm. especially SOS. I've seen SOS now taken so seriously that we have stopped stages and maybe it wasn't an, a medical emergency. That has happened on an event previously where we did stop a stage because we couldn't take the chance. SOS means SOS. And it's the one button, it's the one button that has a cover on it. You have to deliberately uncover that button and then press the button. You know, it takes a bit of effort to press that one by accident. The other ones, yes, I can understand. You can press the roadblock one, or sorry, roadblock one by accident. And you can press the fire one by accident. You know, it's easy caught. Some of the lads will fit it in the roll cage above their head. It should be in the middle. I understand there's intercoms there. There's other things in the middle sometimes that get in the road. But the guys will put it to one side or the other. And then maybe when they're taking their helmet off. We had a similar problem with the cameras years ago where we had a uh, rocker switch on the, on the controls for the camera. And when the lads were taking the helmet off and the hands device with it, they were over-exaggerating how far they had to take everything off. And it would catch the controls if they were put along the top of the roll cage above the windscreen. Now, it's a handy place to put stuff. We put camera controls there, so we're also guilty of it. But to put stuff up there um, on the padding or on the cage, um, we do it in front of the navigator because normally the navigator is the one controlling the camera. But to put the tracker buttons there and then to keep hitting it by accident. Now, it, it might not be always be the helmet, but it's the one thing I can think of to hand why it might be hit by accident. To hit it by accident, we've always said to the boys, if you make, if you make a mistake, follow it with an okay. And, and we'll know that you're okay. If you go back and watch that onboard video that we were talking about, they don't press the right buttons and they press the okay button twice. And I don't know if the full video is online. Uh, I think it's all there. I think it's all there for everybody to see. The first button that was pressed was a fire button after an okay button. And then they went on to press other buttons. They never pressed the SOS button because at that stage, they didn't need medical assistance. So they did everything right, except for the fact that they pressed the OK button, fire button, OK button, roadblock button, turned the fire button. I think they turned the roadblock button off, then turned the fire button off. And I'm trying to remember if they did or didn't press the OK button after that again. Now, I don't mm. want to criticize the lads. They did the, they did the best they could with what they had and what they knew at the time. And they did their best to keep us informed. Mm. They had blocked the stage. Well, they kind of blocked the stage. And they did their best to keep us informed. What you're meant to do, and I'm not criticizing them, not for a minute. I know both lads. Uh, they're 100%. But it was a wee bit confusing to sit in the control room and see so many buttons pressed. So what we did was... We says, this could be something wrong. And we watched it very closely. And when we seen that the stage wasn't completely blocked, we thought, right, okay. The okay button has been pressed twice now. So it means they must be okay. They've turned the roadblock off and we've seen that one car has got through. So we knew the stage wasn't completely blocked. And then we thought, right, well, let's see what happens when the next car comes. And when the next car came, they stopped. Now, remember, we're seeing this on a map. 
right? Mm. We don't know what happened to the third car. And when the third car stopped, the, the map goes yellow, as I, as I showed you last year, right? Mm. It, it highlights it. It shows you that the car has stopped. And if I'm right in saying, and I can double check the telemetry from the unit, as far as I'm uh, aware, then they said the road was blocked. And that's when we radioed through to the start line and, and said to hold the stage. But mm. there was another car already in the stage by the time that had happened. Now, you can see the timings when you go through the telemetry. By the time you get the signal from the unit, um, now they may not have, I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything. They may not have hit the button straight away. They may have dealt with the immediate stopping and what happened to them, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe if we ever get a chance for the lads to come on the show, they can tell us their point of view. But by the time the roadblock button was pressed, there was another car already in the stage. And by the time we got the chance to warn them, it was already too late. So the best thing about Irish rallying, right, is that we're able to run rallies at 30 second intervals. The worst thing about Irish rallying is that you have only got 30 seconds. Hmm. That's sometimes not enough. Like how many times have we seen crews who have maybe ended up on the roof or, or worse on their side or just blocking a stage and they're side on to whatever's coming. And their fear is get out of the car quick because you don't know how long you have that car. Now, luckily that the incident we're talking about wasn't that far from the start. But what if it had been well into the stage? What if there had been five, six, eight cars in the stage coming at them and they're stuck blocking the stage, maybe the far side of something blind? The panic's in the car. I've seen it in onboard videos so many times. The panic is in the car. Get out of the car is the first thing that's said. And there's people that are so feared sometimes of, of what it is they're facing. They are feared to go back with the board in case they get run over on their way back to warn the next car. We've seen that so many times now. It's vital that you do what you can, but you have to put your own safety first too. You know, there's no point in, in, in running into an oncoming car. You have to try your best to get back and warn the next car, but you only have 20 something seconds, 30 if you're lucky. You know, if you're if you're looking at a scenario where maybe the car behind you might have been catching you because maybe you were exactly 30 seconds apart, but maybe by the time you dealt with the incident that you had just had, maybe you've gone off yourself. Maybe by the time you get the belts off, you get everything organized and you get out of that car. What has passed? What time has passed? Five, ten mm. seconds? It's now you, the, the clock is really ticking at this stage. And you have to think, right, well, what can I do here? How safe is it? Can I get back in time? So you have to keep your wits about you. You have to be mindful. This mindful thing keeps coming up. You have to look after yourself. But you try your best to, to warn the next man because he's just going to make the scenario worse if he can't get stopped in time. In the control room, we're trying to interpret everything that's coming through to us the best we can, right? All the signals are coming through. We're watching everybody on the map as closely as we can. And the procedures are in place and improving all the time. They are improving all the time. And the feedback from the competitors is vital. I want to hear from the competitors. I want to hear from anybody who has an idea to make it better again, because that's what we're trying to do. And the tracking system that's in place, we got this system in from Lithuania, from 4Rally. And we're improving it all the time in conjunction with them. Like the lads are working so hard. The software, the interface, the maps, everything has changed in the last four years. Well, three and a half years. 
And it's got to the point now where this is improving at such a pace. There's only so many things we can do in a short pace of time, uh, space of time. Obviously, to manufacture new units and new buttons and have an extra button and have an extra port and a new box and a new mount and all the rest of it, all that kind of stuff will always take time. It will always mm. take time to develop. It's just like the base plates we have at the minute. The base plates mm. have been put in, they've been designed. They've been very well designed by a guy called Thomas Healy. They have been so well put together. Everything's been measured out brilliantly. And all we're waiting now is to be able to take the latest version back to the scrutineers, to the scrutineering panel, and give them a look over it and make sure that they're happy, that this is something that's safe, that boys can, can install in their cars and know that it's going to work. And once we get that approved, then we can start seeing them being sold by the vendors around the country. And mm. it gives the competitors a choice then of having something that they can leave in their car. They can buy this item and they can make life easier for themselves, being able to put the unit in and out again, so on mm. and so forth. But when you're talking about incidents where maybe the next car on the scene didn't get a warning in time, it's happened a couple of times now, I won't deny it, but it has to do, unfortunately, with the amount of time that was left to warn them. And when we get the signal in in the room, I invite anybody, and I know I'm not going to be too well thought of for saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I would invite anybody that wants to come and join me in a control room to get in touch. They can come in and see how it works. It's not a big secret. It's a hardworking team of people that are there trying to run a rally as safe as humanly possible. And there, there there's nothing there like and when you came to the the uh, carrick and sewer forest rally last year the only thing that was on my mind was to put you a member of the media and cameras in the team's face was going to affect the room hmm. people are going to be nervous of what you're filming what you're doing what you're saying and to put them people thinking about you more than thinking about the job they're doing wasn't the scenario I wanted and wasn't the mm. scenario that Motorsport Ireland wanted. We wanted to be able to show you everything without you affecting the team on the day. And I hope that yeah. could be understood. I hope everybody realizes that we were only thinking of what was the safest option. But there was no problem once the event was over. I brought you in and I showed you everything. Mm. I couldn't show it to you live, which was a, a Gosh, regret. Look, we get that for no more reasons. I, but sure, you set I, it up afterwards and it was yep, in... Yep. I, and one day no. maybe I hopefully I can show it to you live because it is impressive. I love I love being involved in it, and and that's one mm. of the reasons why I did get involved with it. It's the future of the sport. You know, I've been involved in rallying since I was no height. Dad used to compete. You know, he mm. did all the events. He did night navs. He did everything under the sun, and there was many a night where he was stuck. Um, I was trying to remember. There was a wee bridge outside Castletown Bear. And he broke down. And where was the trailer? It was still in Belfast. And it was the weekend of the Circuit of Ireland, when it was the Circuit of All Ireland. And we had to wait for the trailer to come. And that was a long set. But, you know, there was so many events he used to do. And, of course, me and my brother and my sister, we grew up with Dad competing. And he also helped organize events and, and things like that in the background. And, you know, to, to be asked, can you help us out with this? Can you be a part of this? I couldn't say no. I couldn't say no. You know, we are very, very lucky to have a small family business here where we get to serve the sport and we get to work with competitors. We get to work with teams. We get to work with motor clubs. We do it week in, week out. And to be able to say that I work in motorsport is a great thing. And it's something that we've always wanted, even back in the days when we were just filming events and making videos. Mm -hmm. You know, it was it was great to be involved. 
and it has just progressed from there and developed from there and now to be involved with the tracking um and i hope even if the tracking provider is one day a different company or whatever i would still love to be involved i would still love to be able to help out in some way because it's just another element of this of the sport progressing and getting better all the time so there's so much coming i wish i could tell you more there's so much in the pipeline there are plans for all sorts of things a lot of you would already have seen the live onboards we have running in the control room and and being able to see you know having the onboard cameras out there is extra pairs of eyes for us and we're able to see if a stage is passable or if it's not and if there's a blockage and and the conditions is it pouring down with rain is it sunny tar it's sunny conditions melting the tar or whatever and i think that's going to add another element to it um that's progressing really well it's developing nicely we're only up to the point where we've got two or three cameras live at the minute but to be able to log into those and, and be able to check in on the lads and make sure everything's okay is brilliant so mm. it's getting there and there's so much more coming uh if i if i would i would love to be able to tell you some of the plans that are coming up but it's uh it's getting there and if it's i just wish we had a larger team of people that could help us develop these things faster and get them into production and get them out on the stages um you know there's so many different projects like virtual chicanes and all sorts of different things um that are coming along that you know when they do when they do prove to be accurate and when they do prove to be a hundred percent then we will hopefully see them being implemented and it means that marshals won't have to rebuild chicanes and it means that there isn't that danger of lads having to run out and rebuild the chicane in that 30 second interval again here comes the 30 second thing again where you have to put yourself at risk to put a, a chicane back together to make it fair for the next competitor coming through um and things like that there you know we all know what it's like when a chicane has been destroyed and boys can just take the fastest line through it. That's no longer a measure to keep the speeds down. And it puts the stage at risk. It puts the stage at risk of being cancelled, but it also becomes dangerous because there was a reason why that chicane was put there. That chicane was needed. It had to be to keep the speeds down for that location. So, mm. you know, there's lots of reasons for it. Don't get me wrong. I'm only mentioning one. But mm. it's, it's a case of, you know, these things are coming along for a reason. And all these extra wee bits and pieces are for, I promise you, there's a method to the madness, but it's all to keep the sport safe. And as long mm. as the sport is as safe as possible, then hopefully the cost of it won't keep going up with insurance costs and everything else. I know everything gets dear, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not uh, totally unrealistic, but it just means that if we can slow it down a bit, if we can keep things as controlled as possible if that's even possible you know the the amount of money that's being paid out for insurance cover at the minute is astronomical and the sports getting to that dangerous stage were so expensive for any average man to be able to go out and compete at the minute my hat's off to you mm. my hat is off to anybody that's been out and is competing at any level at the minute my hat is off to you you mm. how you can afford it i'll never know and i'm just so grateful that you can and i'm so grateful that you, you that you do but it is so expensive you know and as a boy said to me the other day just a set of golf clubs is so cheap when you think about it and that's true you know these people that are putting in entries week in week out or month in month out are the reason why this sport has survived you know, they, right. they I'm, are... going, I'm going to have to coin because I need to get to some of these questions. I'm sorry, you're making very valid points, but I you're need fine. to put across you. 
You're fine. Uh, you have to shut me up at some stage. There is a wagon lot of questions. And Nestor's actually backstage as well. So I'd actually bring him in here first. Uh, this is There's one short way to get this done in an hour and a half with four minutes to go is to bring in Nestor and have myself, Nestor, <laughs> and Terry Hegarty on the screen. <laughs> Talk about realistic. But anyway, how are you getting on, Anthony? I'm the very best. Uh, sorry for being late. It's um, it's my work life interfering with my social life again, eh? <clears throat> ah, sure, look, shit happens to you. But, uh, it was interesting, now, to be fair, I was out in the truck and I was able to listen to the podcast, but the, the but since she started, but I wasn't able to obviously to, to log in properly like at home. So I was able to hear all of what yeah. Terry said. And I mean, just What's something... What's your thoughts came... on it? Just general, general thoughts very quickly. Well, obviously, we're, we're not obviously mentioning the the where this incident took place, albeit anyone that's in the know knows exactly what we're talking about. A, a, a tip I were a couple of small tips. The guy that we're saying that pressed, unfortunately, and I watched it myself, he pressed the OK button first. And if you think about it technically, he wasn't hurt. Technically, he was OK. What I would have done, or what, you know, and it's only, look, it's only my five prints worth. When you go off in a rally car, you don't know whether the road is blocked. You don't know whether you're in a field, on the road. You have no idea where you are because you're so disorientated after an incident like that. You will have actually no concept of where you are. My thoughts on it, forget the tracker for the minute. Go back to the old days. Get out of there. Get the fucking door open and crawl. get out past the driver. Don't even worry about him. Get out and flag down the next car. Get your OK board. Start running. If you can bring your phone, I'm always saying the tracker in a perfect world, you'd go the tracker, the OK board, and the phone, TOP, tracker, OK board, phone, and out. But forget the tracking for a minute. Just get out and flag down the next car. And even if you don't know, because if you're looking at the concerns of God, are we blocking the road? Are we on fire? Uh, is the driver OK? If that's all too much for you, just get out. Bring your OK board, grab your phone. Your phone should be alongside you in the seat or in your door pocket. I know they're saying put the OK board up on the roof with Velcro. Personally, you can get A4 ones. Motorsport Ireland were handing out free ones there, and I'm sure they have lots and lots of them, the, the OK boards, and just put it in your rally bag. And I'm only talking about co-drivers. I'm not talking about drivers. Drivers are steering wheel attendants. Enough. Mm -hmm. Don't give them anything else. That's what they do. They do it well. Keep them away from everything else. So it's your job. Grab the OK board the phone and work the tracker if you can. If you don't know your situation, in other words, I, I don't know. And when that particular incident happened, I'd say them poor chaps didn't know whether they were in the field, on the road, whether they were blocked. They had no idea. They were totally disorientated. They'd have to be. Get out. Flag down the next car. Take a look back at your own car and then evaluate. Jesus, we're blocked on the road. And tell the next car, hit the block button. We're black on the road. But does that can I go across you? Are you not after contradicting what you said two weeks ago though? Because you said tracker, you said tracker, okay, board and phone Correct. two weeks ago. So what what has changed? And I'm what sure has changed? That's something Terry would agree with. Well, what all. has changed is if you're in a situation like those poor chaps last week, where they obviously he didn't know what to press, he didn't know his own situation, he didn't, he wouldn't have been aware when I hit the block. Am I black on the road? He wouldn't have known. One thing yeah. he did know is he was still breathing, so he hit the OK button. It's an instant reaction. Yeah, I'm breathing. Fine. Press the OK button. That's what you're told to do. Okay. The trouble yeah. is when you hit the OK button and you're upside down, everyone the tracking thinks all is normal. You've just pulled in for a puncher. That's the downside of it. So if you're unsure, and this is only me, I'm not saying this is the right <coughs> thing to do. This is just what I would do. 
if you're unsure after an incident, especially when it has rolled a couple of times, just get out. Forget the tracker a minute. Old days, okay, board four, get out. If you don't know, you're unsure of what to do with the tracker, flag down the next car. When he stopped, because remember, he's only the 30 seconds or less. He's not going to be more than 30 seconds where he's spun. Flag down the next car. Once he stopped, turn around. Jesus, we're blocking the road. We're, this is dangerous. This is whatever. You'll have that extra 30 seconds just to evaluate your own situation and say to the guys, lads, shut this stage down, hit the, hit the roadblock button on the second car. And that will bring it all to a standstill then. One thing that's very important, um, when you are the car that stops in an incident, you're the car that comes on us, and we see incidents at East and West Cork ourselves, and we came upon two or three accidents actually that day. Park yourself in a safe place. Don't park in the middle of the road, because remember, when you park at the accident, there's someone else coming behind you. So the onus is in everyone, as I said, to get out if you're not working the tracking correctly. But obviously, the second car that has stopped, he's no issue. Hit the button, shut it down. Um, but yeah, it takes buy-in. Right? Interesting about what I was saying about the cable. I think we're probably all guilty of that. You'll put lovely tie wraps all over the door. And then when you get out, it to be fine. You stick it over the hoop with, the hoop with the roll cage and bring it across. Most people seem to stick them over your head because there isn't a bracket, obviously, to hold them. So the sooner them brackets become available, the better. It'll be a, it'll be a great. Um, and in fairness, I, I don't know what level of buying is at this for the scrutineers. I know certainly at the start there was a, some training needed to be had and there was other bits and pieces of politics going on behind the scene. But you would think once a bracket is designed, it shouldn't take a monumental amount of time to get that over the line and just literally put the console on the dash alongside you, in front of you. Um, but yeah, it's, um, yeah, if you, if, and I'm, I'm only relating, not operating the tracking to that particular video because he looked disoriented and he had to be because he put on the fire button. And if I suppose if you think about it, I would often ask people, do you know the tracking? Are you familiar with it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the stage block button? Uh, don't know. There's, there's the stage blocked and you have the fire button. Think about it. How often does a car go on fire? There'll probably 50 cars block a stage to every one fire, if it is even that. So the one that you need to be really familiar with is the stage block button. It's the stage blocked button. It's the it's the second one in from the right. And I would say to any core driver, fiddle with it. The driver's way. When you're inside of the control or you're out talking or whatever, just play with it. Turn it on, oh, yeah. turn it off. That's the second one in there, yeah. The uh, yeah, the second one in, and that's really. But if you hit the OK button first, everyone thinks you're OK. But I, I've been in the tracking room uh, on several occasions, and to be fair, it's you see everything coming on. Like it's just chaotic. It's time better. Time. It's better not, than not it that was. They're not in control, but I would say it's. But, um, yeah, but if the person has had it. Like. Yeah, but if the person has have had their first accident, like if you think of it, re relate this back to ordinary Joe citizen, when they go upside down, that's a big deal. Rally people, it's not such a big deal, but it is really like, in, in, in the greatest scheme of things, going upside down is a big deal. Like, um, mm. And it's, everything is just a little bit disorientated. If I was to ask for a small recommendation on the buttons, I'd probably color code them just to make, and I wouldn't color code the fire one, 
I'd color code the one that you are likely to hit, and that's the blocked button. The, the emergency one, yeah, the, you know, there's not too many. No, no, the buttons. I'm not talking about the buttons, lights. The lights, okay. I'm not about the buttons. That, right. Because they okay. look the same. When you were upside down and you're after being kicked around like you would spend an hour in the washing machine, them two, <laughs> they look the same. They look exactly okay. the same. So you're not going to pick them out. Um, small things then. See, thing about the phone. I didn't cop this till recently. And again, a small thing. Don't turn the phone off. Takes too long for the tracking office to contact you. Just keep it on silent. And a lot of the phones don't have facial recognition, so you just hold the phone up to your face. But remember, you'll have to program it because it won't recognize your face with a helmet and a headpiece on. Yep. So check, set, um, set the facial recognition on the phone. So literally, as you're running down the road, because you have so little time, as, as Terry quite rightly said, this is the downside of a 30-second interval. Um, when you're running down the road, you need everything to be happening in milliseconds like so. You want to be able to hold that phone in front of your face while you're running and it'll unlock because by the time you come to a standstill, someone is going to be ringing you to know what in the God's name is going on. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even if you put your the tracking number, put the, the, the wife at speed dial number one, the mother-in-law number two, and put the tracking room number three, job done. So, you know. <laughs> Well, look, I think it's worth mentioning, guys, that uh, obviously the, the crew involves um, the cover and well and, and stuff as well, because like everyone knows the situation we're talking about with this particular stage. And the one thing I would say, it's probably just who I am by nature as well, without having anywhere near the understanding you would have, is empathy, because you spoke about all these things and we're talking about like we have about 10 minutes to react. You don't. Yeah. Terry's mentioned already 30 seconds. Um, possibly... 10 to 15, depending, maybe even 20, trying to get out of the car or think about where you are. Um, it's, and the time flies by so quickly. It's a very difficult one, guys. Like It's not it's not black and white. There has to be a bit of grey here somewhere. And uh, you can understand why people would be tormented and annoyed from... <laughs> I see a point in that fear. Come on, Anthony. <laughs> there is a bit of grey. I have a few myself. But like you get where we're coming from. Like You know, at, at, at the end of the day, and I think some people may be messaging that might have had an involvement in it, be it from an officiating point of view or actually being in the, the accident themselves. And I'm not just saying that because they're messaging. messaging. I, I would say that anyway. Uh, there are so many moving parts. And um, it's, I suppose, easy for everyone to maybe have frustration, have, you know, be upset. Uh, I'm sure there's frustration in the tracking office. I'm sure there's frustration for competitors. But the whole, all of it is, guys, we're talking about this because you kind of want to make the whole thing a bit better. And that's the important message, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose well, a co-driver, sorry, Terry, the co-driver just needs to be proactive. They just need to think, leave the driver off to go and talk to the other driver, how they are and how's things and how's the wife and how's the kids and how's your car. The co-driver, get out and you're still you're still on the clock. Get out and you stop the car behind. You do the, the, the heavy lifting. Um, no, I, I see. Like, it, it's it's so much about everything progressing. It's not just about com competitors, and it's it's not about heaping just more pressure on on co-drivers. Like the comment there, I'm just reading there from Martin Godfrey. You know, Martin's right in what he's saying. You know, the the communication with marshals also needs to be improved, uh, and that's something we can all work on, and I can work on as well. Um, you know, we take phone numbers from the marshals in the morning um they come through to the control room so we have a list of marshals uh, at every location at least one number per location sometimes we get several numbers per location 
and to be able to give them a wee bit more information too, um, like the, the number for the, the control room is something maybe we should push with as well. So if it's a case of just making sure that all of those marshals maybe get a text message on the morning from us in the control room or whatever to say that uh, this is the number for the tracking control room. Should you need to contact us on the day, please use this number. Um, we're working on a new phone system for the control room. It's one of the things that's coming up um, to improve. It's, it's going to end up turning into a call center or something somewhere by the time we're finished but it's just a matter of being able to hold or uh, deal with should I say more call volume and that's the, the main improvements that we're going to bring in there but no Martin good point there about um, uh, more information for marshals um, there's a lot of different wee bits and pieces I've been reading there just from the there's lots of good uh, suggestions there is some reasons I could go into great detail but I don't think Kevin wants me to uh, why certain of suggestions oh, not, that are listed not, there not at all it's, it's it's probably I don't know what right and Paul Woods has been in touch there and you can see that yeah. you can't really put a time limit on this and for once I'm I'm kind of okay with making an exception because as a an un I suppose, an unspoken rule on the podcast. We would try to keep this to 45 minutes to an hour, but with the live ones, they do tend to go on a little bit. But this has just you, been so informative, lads. By all means, belt away. You, I'm, you I'm happy enough to let it roll. You cannot bring me onto a show that only lasts 45 minutes. <laughs> that, that, that's not going to happen, Kevin. There's there's no way, no how. I, I just... <laughs> Once you start me talking, I can't stop. Look, if you want to, if you want to pick and choose, guys, the comments as well. I'll bring them up on the there's, screen, and we can go through. Uh, them. Like, I think there's, there's one. Some, just there's before, sorry, 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 Terry yeah. and Anthony. There's one here, Anthony. Just I, I'd say it's in relation to what you just said. Uh, both driver and co-driver need to know the sequence. What happens if the co-driver is trapped? That's a fair yeah. point. That's a fair point. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I'm just talking like the the. Yeah. In 80% of the cases, because the cars are built so well, mm -hmm. everything is fine. I, I'm talking about the majority, I, but they're right, of course. There's always an exception. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's a fair point. But well, for the most for most of the cases, the mm -hmm. core driver should, should be well fit. But yes. There uh, is and, a, if there, and if they're trapped, it's just one tell the other, hit that emergency button, they're uh, in trouble then. There is a reason why both crew are supposed to be at driver's briefing. You know, there is a, 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 a lot of cases where the navigator, especially in the past, maybe not so much in modern times, but there was a, a case in the past, as Anthony will no doubt tell us, that the co-driver just went to driver's brief because they were the office manager. They were the ones that had to know all the changes, all the amendments, all the different things that came up in driver's briefing. But it's so important now. We've seen it with COVID. When the pandemic came in and we had this virtual driver's briefing, and we brought in the tracking at the same time, kinda. The tracking came in just before the pandemic started. We noticed that if you did a, did a driver's briefing virtually, uh, chances is half of the things that were put out in that driver's briefing were never listened to. The minute we went back to in-person driver's briefings, we've seen a massive uptake in how everybody understood the trackers and understood what was going on event by event. Uh, being in the room is so important. Being there for driver's briefing is so important. I know there's lads there that are thinking, oh, I need to get tires sorted. I need to get fuel sorted. I need to fix this on the car. Go uh, Tell the navigator, just go you on into driver's briefing and, and, and you find out what, what the, the different things is and I'll stay here and get the car ready. No, no, it's so important to go to driver's briefing. And I know a lot of lads that disappoint disagree with me and say oh, it's just a waste of time i'm sending the navigator anyway it'll do rightly but when you have different people explaining the tracking system 
and things like that and other things that are coming up in the future. Anthony knows what I'm talking about. The things that are coming up in the future that it's going to be so important for the driver to be there. You have to be there to hear it for yourself. You know, mm-hmm. that, 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 that safety briefing in the morning is for everybody's benefit. And it's yeah. so important that you attend it. Um, the one thing I would disagree with Anthony on, really see now he's going to start getting geared up for me, put the tracker first. I'm biased. I know I'm biased, but put the tracker first. The first thing that you do whenever something happens in the car, I've seen boys that have been very clever. And Anthony, you're one of them where you have the OK button pressed before the car has even come to a stop. You know what I mean? Put the tracker first. Tell the control room where you are. Yes, scenarios can change. Things can progress. You can learn new information once you get out of the car, etc., etc. But put the tracker first. The lads last weekend pressed the OK button. I have no argument with that. I said that at the start. There was nothing wrong with what they did. And they made a mistake. And they did exactly what I told them to do when they make a mistake. Follow it up with the OK button. But you have to remember, when you press the roadblock switch, you have to leave it on. I know nobody likes the alarm. I don't like it. Nobody likes it. If you leave the roadblock switch on, that means that that condition still stands. Right? If you put, if you were to say put the fire button on and you left it on, then that means that the fire is still going. When you turn the button off, that's when that condition ended. That's when that scenario is over. So, no, for I, example, I did, I if, this, if the roadblock if the roadblock scenario was over, then they turn the roadblock button off. In the scenario we're talking about, if you look at the telemetry closely and you see that the the the, the list of events as they happened, they turned the roadblock button on and then they turned it off again, as if to say it was blocked, but it was it's not now. That's the the way it could be interpreted in the room, and in the room we're trying to interpret. All the button presses. You just so there's no, just so there's no misunderstanding. I, yeah. I agree with you. The tracking should come first. The only situ, the only reason I said that about get out of the car and just go back like the old days was specifically in relation to that accident last week. If you don't know what to press and you're that confused, and just get out. Mm-hmm. If you if you've reached that point that oh Jesus, I don't know what to do, get out. Yeah. and use the button of the other car of course as i said top tracker okay board phone yep. less than five seconds if you're upside down double that to 10 seconds you still still have 20 to get back that road some few, few some yeah. few meters to flag somebody down no i fully agree with you with the tracker the okay board and the phone there's three very vital items that we all need in the car um so to see that question then just to tie it in with it that i had on the screen I'll bring it back up again from Declan O'Sullivan. What right. happens in a situation when the competitor cannot communicate by mobile when in rural areas? Because of the poor phone coverage, given that a lot of stages are in rural areas, have we a solution to that? No, the, no, it is a very valid point. If you can't get a phone call into the control room, then you send whatever signal you can. You activate the tracker. That's your first and foremost means of communication. Now, because your phone doesn't have signal, doesn't mean that the tracker doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, if the, it, the the tracker buttons are very simplistic, but they're also to cut out an awful lot of nonsense that goes on in the car. You know, when you get a phone call from some people, it could be a marshal, it could be a competitor, it doesn't matter what, you could get a very long-winded story. You could get a whole pile of information you don't need. And the vital thing, that the, the first thing that every person in every control room is going to ask you is, are you okay? That's the first thing. Are you okay? And that gets up and out of the road, right? You're okay. Now tell me more. Is the stage possible or is it blocked? Yes or no. And then 
do you think we can have it cleared within 10 minutes? Or do you think that that's it for the day? And and you get that information from that competitor to the best of their knowledge, to the best of their ability. Um, yes, there's going to be times where, look, modern phones need Facebook updates. They need all sorts of notifications. They're, they're tying up so much bandwidth on the network that there's times that it says it has zero bars. But do you ever notice that those emergency numbers always get through? You know, when you're dialing from a modern phone and you're dialing for emergency services, even when you've got zero bars, it magically gets through. That's because it cuts out all the nonsense and all of a sudden it requires such little bandwidth. And that's how the trackers work. The trackers work because there's so little information being sent. It's just ones and zeros. Is the press, did you press the OK button? Did you press this button? Did you press that button? It's a case of where you are and the time and, you know, the, the basics, the most basic of information, the most basic of telemetry. There's no live video coming through that connection. There's no massive bandwidth being taken up. So there will be many times, and you've heard me say this before, when you're on a stage, uh, it, it's not 100%. I'm not going to pretend that it's going to work absolutely everywhere. But there's a lot of times where you're on a stage in the most rural forest or mountain or whatever, and you're standing there with your phone and you've got no bars of signal whatsoever. You have no 4G. You have nothing coming through. And the tracker and the phone and the sorry and the car beside you has got us excellent signal, and we've got your position. We've got just we can, everything a question, there. A question just to tie in, and Carl Egan, who I know to be fair, it's a damn good question. I'd love an answer to it. Go for it. Because like Carl, I was that soldier boy. Good question. What happened? Well, what yeah. what's happening with some cars getting a red flag and the following cars not getting a red flag? We had a situation actually in West Cork last year where we got red flagged. And the car behind us didn't, the car behind that didn't, and the car behind that did. What causes that? Right. I can answer for West Cork last year, no problem at all. One thing I would ask Carl to do, if he can for me, uh, Carl, if you can comment in below, have you experienced that problem recently? And the reason I ask that is there's been some major changes done since West Cork last year and since other oh. events that have happened before. And I'll, I'm happy to tell you exactly what was going on. But there is going to always be a small issue with, for example, as I just said, the trackers will not be able to get signal out when there's absolutely zero signal. When there is, when you've got a few places, we've been very surprised on certain stages, like Malls Gap, for example, where we expected there to be great difficulty in getting signal on that stage. Because when you look at the setup of that stage, they have to bring in extra repeaters and extra radio points to be able to get radio communications to all the officials on Malls Gap. You know, there's stages like that all around the country where the radio team will know, look, this stage is going to be hard work because we have to get extra infrastructure into that area just to get radio communications up. Here's we a question. Yep. See when the, when the, and come back to Carl's question. Yes. See when the red flag signal goes out to the, so I'm driving along, red flag goes off. Yes. I slow down. Carl is on behind me. His red flag doesn't go off. How many times does the system try to red flag Carl? Is it only the once? So is it a case of if Carl was going through a very bad pocket and it yeah. tries once to get him and it doesn't, mm -hmm. does it ever try again? Yes, or does it continually, or it does, it continually tries. Okay. It happened to you and Stuart, if you remember. It did. It did. Where it had to wait till you came back into signal again before the red flag went off. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where when there, there is... Zero signal. Ah, Aye, right, so Carl. Yep, perfect. Right. 
in so West, no Cork, West Cork this year, he says. Yeah. In West Cork last year, there was a problem with the firmware on certain trackers, where certain trackers were of a completely different firmware from the others, and it was something that we didn't discover until after the event, and it was it was a genuine mistake, and you we went this through. Year it. Or not. Oh, this not year or that. last year? Yeah, this year. This, this year. year. Did he say this year? Mm. This year. I'd be I'd be very interested to get more information on that if I can in West Cork this year, right? Okay. No, it's it the in West Cork last year, and I'm talking about 2022, it was a firmware issue. And we made sure that everything was updated after that because certain trackers were on a completely different firmware from the others. Now that has all been sorted. That has all been brought up to date. In West Cork this year, I wasn't aware. Of, of any cars that were sent a red flag and didn't get one. So the question I would ask there then was, if there was a car in front of him that was red flagged and they weren't, then if he can send me the details through of the stage, what happened when, I can go through the incident log and I can see where the scenario was and then I can go back through the records of the units involved and find out why it wasn't red flagged. Um, so I don't have an answer for you right now, Cart, but please send me the details and I will look into mm. it. It's, a, it's a, a case of uh, getting into it. If he can give me more detail, then I will definitely go through it. But there's no such thing as a firmware issue after West Cork last year or anything like that there. The only thing I can think of was if he was, say, the second car to an incident and other cars behind him were red flagged and he wasn't, it may have been because he was too close to that incident. It's possible. But again, please send me the details because uh, I will look into that. And if Kevin wants to bring me back on here again and we'll mm. go through the detail, I can go through the detail. No problem yeah. at all. Now, there's been, uh, uh, Mark Dolphin's been in touch two or three times and I just get the feeling from reading the comments he's possibly frustrated. Um, yeah. two, or, two or three different things he's kind of been, uh, all track and related probably. Uh, but just get the feeling he's probably a bit frustrated. So I'll bring up just the most recent comment there. I uh, said, Yes, I have this year in West Cork. We ran the tracking office, car 49, and you knew about it. And uh, an earlier comment there said, could the tracking office not see that there was a car stopped and that there was one on route to where the car was stopped? I think this is probably in relation to the earlier incident uh, that we that we spoke about. And I always tell us at a brief, and when a car stops, all eyes are on you. So, so you want to pick up on either of those? No, of course. Put that one back up again. Where Sorry, where was yeah. that one? Sorry, Kevin. Could the I, office I don't know. Mark will probably stopped. get back in touch and tell us, but I'm fairly right, sure, please. without knowing for definite, uh, that he might have been talking about Kerry a few weeks back. Yeah, but he's right. All hours are on you. But until yeah. you make a decision, all hours will just stay on you. We don't, in the tracking office, you don't know what's happening. If someone presses the OK button, all eyes are not going to go off you. You're OK. Uh, either I'm not, aye, no, either I'm not reading that right, or or something. I'm not understand what he means. Could oh, the tracking office not see that there was a car stopped, and that there was one en route to where the car was stopped? Does he yeah. mean that there was a car blocking a stage and another car was approaching it? Is yes. that what he means? I'd say he's on about the last yeah. incident we were talking about. Mm. Oh, so was he talking about Kerry? You're Sir the first Kerry? man to mention it. No, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Is he talking about that event. Or is he talking about West say, Cork? I know. Yeah. I'd say I, I, I think he's talking about. I, I think he's talking about Kerry. The first yeah. one. But just say it doesn't matter. It don't matter really which one he's talking about. But yeah. Um, Sorry, but look, there's another one here as well. Entry's question. All eyes are yeah. on you. All you eyes are on you. Hit the buttons correctly. Yeah. Or whatever. When you have a scenario, when you have a scenario when a car stops on the stage, right? He's back in touch and he said Kerry. Kerry, yeah. Grant. When you have a scenario when the car stops on a stage, you're uh, and you stop. Well, sorry. 
let me take you through it uh, fully. When your car goes below 10 kilometers per hour, your uh, symbol turns yellow, right? And that's the first warning to us that there's something wrong. When you have stopped, it says on your telemetry halt that you have stopped the car. So the next question is, why have you stopped? So you can either send us through an OK or you can send us through a roadblock or, or whatever the signal is you send us. But if there is no buttons pressed, that's one of the first things I have to announce in the room is there's no buttons pressed. So if there's no response and we normally give you as short a window as we can, but say 10 or 15 seconds to respond. If you don't give us some sort of response within that window, the boys are on the phone straight away and they're trying to find out what's going on on the ground. One of the most frustrating things this year on that event and other events has been that, number one, boys weren't pressing the OK button. Now, in the case of, of the one we're talking about, the OK button was pressed, then the fire button was pressed, there was another OK button pressed, the fire button, no, hang on, the roadblock was pressed, then turned off, and then the fire button was turned off, and then if I go back through the telemetry, I find out if there was another OK after that. I'm trying to remember the sequence. I can't remember it exactly. If I had it here in front of me, I could read it out to you. Um, it was confusing. And I read out to the room every button that had been pressed. Now, a lot of these scenarios is you can't see the car. You don't know if the stage is blocked. And you're ringing the competitors and the marshals at that location, trying to find out as much information as you can. Now, Anthony can jump in here at any stage if he thinks I'm saying anything wrong. But you do your best in the room to get as much information as possible so that you can make the necessary decisions. Some people would say, why don't you just stop the stage? But that might not be necessary. It could be just that somebody was forgetful. Do we take a chance? Maybe. I don't know. There's an awful lot of cases in the past where a lot of these signals have been by accident. So you are taking it seriously. You're looking at it as carefully as you can. And the next car on the stage passed the scene and carried on up the map. So the stage wasn't blocked. Now, nobody's answering phones. Everybody's being called. The team are trying to call them. We have the numbers. We take the numbers off you every event. We're calling the crew and there's no answer. And we're trying to get the information. The next car on the scene passed. So that's fine. The stage is passable. And then the next car stopped at the scene and the, the dot went yellow. And then it was a period of time, and I'll go through the telemetry in detail if need be, where then the stage was blocked. We radioed through to the start control to hold all cars. So we're holding the start line at this stage so we can establish whether or not services need to be sent in. We don't want to be adding to this. We don't want more cars to be between the start line and the incident if services have to be sent in. And it wasn't until the next car arrived on the scene that there was an SOS sent through. So just another top tip as just while it into my head, this happened while I was in the tracking office in Bor. Yep. I saw somebody have an issue albeit it was a small issue. Um, I could see he was lost, thankfully. That's all. He took a wrong turn. And I says, I know the guy. I'll ring. Hi, lad. You took the wrong turn. I could see him going the wrong way up the map. His phone was set in divert. And I got through to his partner at home. Hello there. This is the tracking office. You okay? And worry. Turn off. Divert on your phones when you're at a rally. Because when we ring you and you're out of service, we get through to whoever you're diverting to. And Just there's another, another small yeah. tip. Yep. Yes, and there's another right. issue there where some of the competitors haven't been given their actual phone numbers that they would be using on the day of the event. Um, I understand right. that there's some some competitors. Sorry, Kevin, but just one last what? thing. 
because some competitors don't like to give officials their actual private phone number, they'll give the wife's number, the mother's number, the whatever number. If you have a phone in the car, that's the number we need. If you, whatever phone you have in the car, or phones, should I say, both driver and navigator, they're the numbers we need to have. We're not broadcasting that to anybody. That's not going to be posted on social media or shared with anybody else. That's only between us and you. If you are using a phone on the day of the rally, that's the number we need. That's all we need. And I hope to God we never have to ring you. I hope that you get through your days rallying safe and sound and, and you have fun and you're coming back to put in an entry next year because we don't want to be rigging you. That means something's wrong if we are. So, no, please make sure to give us the numbers that you're using on the day of the rally. It's so important. Sorry, Kevin, two, I cut you off there. No, if, I'm only going to read out two more because I have to quote this. I have another question to ask Anthony that's not to do with trackers at all. Um, if not, I'll be, I'm going to get some hiding and go back inside. But anyway, <laughs> I'd say the stream is going to get hiding and we go back inside. Um, what do you call it? Uh, I know she's, she's, she's lovely, really. I wouldn't say stuff like that more. Um, <laughs> you keep but, that going, Kevin. You will be in trouble by the time you get back inside. There was a guy, there was a guy that works with me inside in Limerick, and I'd never heard a turn of phrase before. And his phrase was, it, it, Mike, Mike, um. Mike Collins is the guy's name. He won't mind me mentioning his name. He said, if you keep behaving the way you are, you'll end up living in Chateau Bow Wow. I like that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like that. You're only yeah. married. You're not married 12 months and you're going to end up in Chateau Bow Wow. Now, uh, what's the question anyway? Yeah, question. so look, uh, there's two. I'm literally quoting the two. And I'm going to combine two comments into one. So that I can make it two, but it's really three. Anyway, Owen Kinsler. So it's, there's two from Owen Kinsler. Do the sweeper car and the car accountability have information on the trackers? As both cars drove past us while we were upside down and were unable to get out. For both of the cars to not see us either, they should have gotten an eye test. Thankfully, we were okay, but if we were not, absolutely unacceptable for driving past. Now, there is another one with that, so just bear with me. Pause that for a sec. Uh it's a little bit earlier I, I, I we had rolled no. we had rolled in Kerry we were both okay this is the earlier comment I should have read this first we were both okay but could not get out so I pressed the SOS button sweeper car and car accountability drove past us we were stuck in the car until a few gentlemen ran up the road and helped us out just wondering why the cars didn't stop at us we were still in the car and there was not an okay board out they should have First and foremost, they should have. There's no, there's no question of that. They should. Were they running last car on the road? I wonder. I'd be interested to know how many rally cars passed. I would really like to know the detail of that. What stage, etc., yeah. etc. Et I would, I would really like to look that one up. Um, an SOS is is the most vital thing ever pressed. You know, so that's the SOS something... was pressed. He says the Sorry. SOS was pressed in his comment. So, uh, if he could send me through the details. Uh, do it through here in the comments. Message me directly. My numbers are out there public. Um, you know, if you go on to svstv.com, my numbers are there. WhatsApp me, email me, whatever. Get me the details and I can look into this. If there's anything wrong, it gives us the chance to fix it to make sure it never happens again. If there's, it's just a case of there's a mistake made or something else, let's get to the bottom of what it was and then we can take it from there. Um, the detail could be anything under the sun at this stage i don't i'm not aware of owen's incident i'm not aware of owen putting on the sos button um but if he can get me the detail 
I'll look into that because mm. that is serious. When an SOS button's pressed, that room comes to a stop, and Anthony can can contest to that. Um, it's this that's the seriousness of the whole thing. The whole reason for this tracking system is to get services sent where they need to go as quickly as possible. That's the whole reason for having it. So no, it's um, that's that's vital. Any wee things like this, I'm not shy about this. I won't hide behind the door if there's anything wrong that people think needs looked at get me the information and i will look into it there's no question that whatsoever um but no owen please send me the details um whatsapp it to me email it to me whatever what stage it happened on etc etc now to answer your question sweeper um sweeper doesn't always carry a tracker uh some events they do some events they don't car accountability always carries a tracker but that's not that's not your question. Your question is, do they look at the map during their officiating, uh, officiating, shall we say, whilst they're on duty doing car accountability duties? Do they look at the map? That's something that is not always the case. A lot of them do use it. A lot of them think it's a brilliant asset to have to be able to see how many cars are stopped in the stage and how many cars they should expect to come across. But for each event, you would have to ask car accountability on the day if they actually used it. And I'm not saying some do and some don't. Maybe all of them do. Maybe none of them do. But you would have to ask them directly if they were using the map on the day. Now, I would see no reason why they, they don't use it. It's such a great tool to have for so many different officiating duties, be it radio points, flying finishes, even start controls um, are, uh, are found it so uh, helpful to use uh, so that they can see maybe how many cars are up the road, maybe talking, chatting and all the rest of it when they could have their helmets on, be suited and booted and ready to start the stage earlier. So it's it's one of those things where to see where cars are congregating or stopped, et cetera, et cetera, for those officials on the ground, it is such a great tool to have. Um, is, is the but, day going to come where they're going to allow everyone to see the tracking? I would personally, I would put 90% of it out for everyone to see it. It's, it's safe yeah. for spectators to see if cars are coming. It'll keep speed down on road sections. It won't be rushing to the stage because they'll see it has so many benefits that would out far outweigh the negatives. I could appreciate when there's SOSs for the rare time that they're hit. Um, I'm sure with the technologies is out there that the SOS piece of it could be kept in house, but the rest of it should nearly be. I personally, I'd have it out there. The whole, the whole kitten caboodle. Yeah, no, I, I would be an advocate for it as well. Uh, and I'm not speaking against MI when I say that, you know, I'm an advocate for it when, when they're not at the moment. The Safety Commission has met on this subject several times. Um, it's it's a decision that wasn't taken lightly. You know, the, the way they look at it is there has been occasions in the past where the tracking system has been taken advantage of for spectators to see the official... Well, laugh at you. There's a comment after coming in. Sorry, go on, go on. Go on. Is it about this? No. <laughs> Paul Woods got back and he said this look <laughs> I'll pay for the divorce keeper that all dear <laughs> are you sure about that Paul are you sure about that um, no the, the, the tracking may one day become open for everybody to see at the minute we've hidden it behind a password for officials only um, you know give it time guys give it time for the officials to get on board with it in the sense that you know people on the ground are using it you know it's something i think marshall should have it's it's, it's something i think everybody should have whenever oh, yeah. you know when you think about the amount of guys and girls that are standing out at the side of stages with their bibs on they're giving up their day for us they've given up so much for us 
they're, they're out there. I remember we, we had uh, a house on the Sam's Cross stage in West Cork. And the marshals that were marshalling outside the house that we had were, they didn't have toilets. They didn't have anything. You know, we were able to, to say to them, right, this, the cars are coming down the stage now. And we were able to leave the, the, the house open so they could nip in and use the toilet. And, and just simple things like that. Nipping for a glass of water every now and again. But it's it only was, small things. The guys in the flying finish, the flies in the flying finish to be handed to them. They could say, geez, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, the car was dirty. I didn't see the car number. Yeah. But hold on. Oh, that is there just passing me. Look, that's car, whatever. Um, yeah. it has so many uses. Um, apart from the SOS thing, uh, yeah. the SOS is the only the only yeah. thing that you wouldn't make public. Um, but the rest of it is fit for. Oh, yeah. why not? Like, well, there. there any is... other any other mad questions coming in? Uh, there was another simple one actually, and he's top seed in the moon record this weekend, which we haven't spoken about too much, uh, along with Mark Donnelly. That's Mr. Stephen O'Hanlon. And it was mm -hmm. a simple love question. He says, say, say we crash and are okay, but the stage yeah. is blocked. Do we hit the okay button first, then stage blocked? So I'll just bring it up on the screen so you can read it again. That's right. a good question. It's a hmm. good question. Simple question I've, and a great question. Simple question. That's fine. It goes, back, it goes back to the accident in Kerry. And you're trying the, to evaluate with your the, situation. The answer is even simpler, right? Any button that's not an SOS is essentially an OK button, in a sense, with more information added. So, if you just flick on the roadblock stage, uh, the road the roadblock button. I'm getting tongue tied now. If you put on the roadblock button or stage block button, right? You don't need medical services. You are essentially okay. So if, God forbid, me and Stephen are heading down the stage and I put our barrel roller down the stage and we block the stage and he gives me a pile of guff for being so stupid and the first thing he does is he reaches up and he puts the, the roadblock button on and leaves it on and don't take it off until the stage is clear. Um, a great example uh, of, of an onboard footage that I seen there, um, it was actually a good while ago now, Liam McMullen uh, and, and uh, was it Christy McLaughlin in a Honda Civic were coming around, I think it was a left-hander, if I remember correctly, and the way they treated the whole thing was just like clockwork, it was just like instinct. They came around the left-hander, they slid the car, they blocked the stage, the nose was in one hedge, the back of the car was in the other. And Christy fired on the roadblock button and was out of the car like a shot and way up the road with the with the OK board before the corner. But Liam wasn't going to give up and he wasn't for sitting there. So he did a bit of an Austin Powers where he was back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until he got out of the jam he was in. He went back up to the corner before it because there was a bit of a layby or a bit of a wide uh, uh, section there. And the minute that he had the stage clear, he reached up and he knocked off the roadblock switch, pressed the OK button, Christy got back into the car, got his belts on when it was safe to do so, got back down the stage again, and off they went. And I thought, I need to publish that in car. You know, that was probably the most effective use of the tracker I've ever watched, where the boys had it. They were so mindful of it. And it, it took me by surprise because I suppose I've got to the stage where I'm, I'm sitting here, com not complacent, but I'm expecting the tracker to probably be the last thing. And I know I shouldn't. But you just get a wee bit demoralized every now and again when you see so many not using it till it's full use. But that day, it, it impressed me. The boys were so mindful of their fellow competitors. They were so mindful of the control room that was watching them. And they just, like clockwork, they had the button on, away. Whenever the stage was clear, the button was off. Couldn't fault them. It was textbook. 
you know? I have to put the hand up because I just got a WhatsApp from the missus. How are you still going? Like, how many buttons is there to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> so just to add to it there, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's the that's the choice of that. Sorry, on, sorry for invite her on the show. Invite her on the show, <laughs> Kev. Well, bring her on. I said any more question? Yeah, send any more question? Did you say that was Liam McMullen? Liam McMullen. Uh, he, he actually he commented he commented in there earlier. Uh, oh, did he? To say, can you show the clip of me and Christy Monaghan? So there you go. You actually, was it Monaghan that one? Was it? Uh, well, he seems to say it's Monaghan there anyway. So uh, um, what do you Yeah, look. Come here. The the other question I wanted to ask there was one there somewhere now. I'm going to flick up through. Uh, I think it was pretty much in relation to giving one of the units to someone. I I don't know. Was it every location? But maybe some locations around as well. Uh, would that be a possibility to give the authority uh-huh. to a marshal to send a signal back? We have if, another idea for that. Okay, Grant, that's fair enough. I, would, I wouldn't agree with that, Anya. Okay. Tell me more, Anthony. I wouldn't agree with that. I think the best, the, your first port to call, I've seen it happen in an event recently, right? Where the people in the tracking room were dealing with the source. The source being your first priority, the driver and the core driver that set off the tracking button in the first place. Then you have this third-party information that comes in. And it's nowhere close or accurate to you dealing directly. So as much and all with the best will in the world, your first port to call to me would be dealing direct with the people in the car. They will the best person to assess your situation is yourself, not somebody else. Because it depends if it's oh the car is all over and this is wrong, that is wrong. But the best man to talk to would be the crew. By all means, after that, talk to anybody. But the best person to try and talk to, if they'll have the phone on, yes, is a backup, but I would still have deal with the people that set off the button first, the people on the scene. Um, and anyway, the cost of it, can you imagine we're going back and like these things are what, 50 quid a rally each? So can you imagine putting a unit out everywhere? It, you can, I'd say you could put units everywhere, but like you go to the likes of, um, you go to Ardfield and West Cork with 33 locations. What do you do? Put 33 units into the stage? Where would you draw the line with it? Um, no, it's, this, it's the same as the marshals being given the tracker room number. You know, is that going to be an overload of information or is that going to be vital to getting some piece of information into the room that we were missing? You know, that's going to be the debate going forward. Um, I think the marshals should have it. I think the marshals should get a rally pack each with so much information that they're not getting. And I know that's adding more cost to clubs, but it's just what I think. You know, there's so many times we've... Well, it's ideal to ring out looking for us, not to have everybody ringing in. It's, mm-hmm. I wouldn't at, go... Hey, at the end of the day, they should all have the stage commander's number anyway. And and yeah. if the stage commander is able to get us through the, the radio system or directly over the phones, um, it just takes time to relay. The more relays you put in, the more time it takes. And the time is what we're trying to cut out. Um getting units to marshals no we have another idea for that and they already have it in their pocket so we have another idea for that coming soon um and i don't think it's going to be yeah that's the one and it's it's a it's a it's something that we're something that we're working on when you think about it all the items that you need are already in that device we have a gps sensor we have means of communication hopefully there's Part of the stage you're in has service please god um but we're working on it it's something we're working on i promise you um to 
to address it. It's going to be a case of working out how you get that information into the room. As Anthony says, there has been times in the past, there was an event not that long ago, where there was conflicting stories come into the room. And that's going to have to be dealt with. You know, how you, the room is already becoming something that everything has to be interpreted and worked out what's the likely scenario, you know. But you we, could have a situation, you could have a situation, and I, I'm just talking on a hypothetical here, where if I'm in the tracking room and I could be dealing with you and we're chatting and you're telling me, yeah, no, we're grand and everything's fine. And a, a third party could ring in with a totally different story. But the only information that I would be listening to is your information. Yeah. There's no point listening to the third party. Anyway, how's our questions running? You'll notice I'm rushing along because I haven't had my dinner yet. So, yeah, yeah. So, look, I'll better ask you that question. I think we'll park the tracking for now. Oh. And I tell you, I, I'll, you're on a two hour stint here, nearly the same as myself. So, I better let hey. you off. This has been phenomenal, I have to say. And the comments have really emphasized that as well. Dennis Rin uh, has been in touch there and he says, A good uh, man from the show. A good format. Yeah, fascinating show, Kevin. Well done to you and your guests and the feedback has been good i think the fact that there's so much interaction on it as well is great and look above all if there's lessons that can be learned and brought forward sure isn't this what it's all about too and look even if we didn't get to all the questions sure let's we'll write them down and we'll that's we'll, exactly it sure. we'll there, you can, the whole yeah. place can see it on on facebook and, and youtube anyway. but terry from your point of view you didn't shy away from anything so fair play like and, no, and i know I type of you are you know yeah no, sorry, Kevin. I don't see the point. I don't see the point. The guys have to have faith in the system and they have to have faith in the team working on it. And I think they do. In the vast majority of cases, they know. Everybody knows me. Everybody knows mm -hmm. Anthony. You know, everybody knows people like us. We're working behind the scenes trying to make sure this is done properly. Anthony and I have conversations on the phone every week and we talk about different things that we should be brought in and, and Anthony has some fantastic ideas and I've had ideas from Niall Burns and I've had ideas from all sorts of different competitors coming forward and they're all in the mixing pot I promise you some of them we can't do straight away might be technical issues might be policy issues but we're working on them I promise you we're working on them but genuinely on my last note because Kevin's worried I'm going to make this the, the SVS oh. show and, and not oh, the yeah. Irish Rally podcast show um <laughs> On my last note, if there's anything you are unsure about, if there's anything you're worried about, like I see Darren McCormick has answered Owen Kinsella's question. That's mm. come in. And I'm sorry I didn't get through all the questions. They're here beside me. I will read through them. But there is uh, so much there that people are not sure about. There's a lot of people saying, well, I'm, not, I'm still not sure how to use the thing. And I'm still not sure how it works and stuff like that. Get in touch with me. All right, I will if message me is the best way. My phone's tied up on phone calls all day and all night, and it's not the best way. Message me, email me, I'll get back to you as quick as I can. If you have anything that you're not sure about, if there's any question about something not working right, I need to know. I need to know soon. If there's anything in doubt, get in touch because we need to put it right if it is something that's wrong. If it's just a mistake that somebody made or whatever, we'll work on that too. We'll try and get training improved. We're already doing it. One of the things you'll notice about them... Uh, one of the things you'll notice about Marshall training... I'm not laughing at Terry. For anyone that just listens and doesn't use, they'll know yeah, why I'm laughing. I've got the same call as you got now. Yeah. If one of the one of the things that was confirmed at a meeting in Port Leash recently about martial training is that trackers is now becoming a part of it. So get in touch with the martial training program, and there's more and more information coming through there. Ask but, me this last question. I I have to go. Right. All right. Okay, Terry. I, Ask I him this last question. Thanks, thanks a million, Terry. Mind yourself. Thanks, really everybody. Thanks a million.
What a geezer. What a sound fella. So, Anthony, very, very quickly. And <laughs> it's the first time it's the first time I've seen you wanting to wanting to get out here. Usually it's me that's trying to bring the whole in. No, I'm away in Dublin in the morning, so I need to go. Yeah, there. yeah. And the show must go on. Uh, so an email came in and the sender wishes to remain anonymous. Kevin, how's things? Just wondering if you bring something up on your show. Uh, reserve list. Not a rant. But we had an entry in for Kerry and didn't get in, which is fair enough. We are not doing any championship and not a member of the Kerry Club. But have done a lot of their events over the last few years. Doing the lakes next month, I want to do Kerry as a warm-up. We just want to know what the story is with the reserve list. I was talking to a few lads who were also on the list. We had an entry in after lads who were behind us on the list and before lads who were ahead of us on the list. One lad put his in after West Cork and was in front of us on the reserve list. Like I said, not a rant, but we're only going doing... I think there's a typo here. A couple of rallies this year, I think is what he means. Uh, Kerry and, and the Lakes wish to remain anonymous. So that's it, basically. Okay. Um, right, to answer his question. So it's club-specific. So I don't know, does anyone say, study the regs? Sometimes the, the clubs will put into the regs the criteria for picking an entry. So you go to some club, and this would answer his question about putting in an entry after West Cork or some pal of his, and then when the, the thing is seeded out, he's the other way around from where, even though he might have put it in a week before or a week after, whatever the case may be. Anyway, where that's coming from, so that some clubs do first come, first served. They leave it in the numerical order it came in. Some clubs have a closing date, and when the closing date is closed, they just catch the whole out of them and put them into a pile, and they draw out the first 250. So it's club-specific. So they'll, the club will decide themselves which way they want to do it. But the trouble is for the first couple of events uh, this year is that even though, for argument's sake, you weren't doing the championship the, and you did last year's championship, they're using the results from last year's championship to give you the priority this year. So just yeah. say I did the championship last year and I finished, say, anywhere in the top three of the class, I think, that someone can correct me. So if I went to go to Kerry as the second round or the first round in Midland, well, I'd get priority because I finished third in the class last year. It's only after the second round. Um, so I don't know what Kerry's, I didn't do Kerry, so I don't know what Kerry's uh, choosing criteria is. Maybe it's a thing that, um, maybe it's a thing that um, clubs should publish there. And I see in Donegal have it, it could be six different items if you're an FIA driver, if you're a club member, if you were competed in the event last year if you've competed in the event or it once in the last five years and there'd be loads and loads of different criteria but maybe if you're doing an only an odd event and you're just starting out you'll find that you're in the reserves quite a bit um there's no answer to it subjective basically is the answer yeah um you could have put on extra events but not in this jurisdiction because there's too many already mm. there's too many down south you had a lot of them here and remember, it's the same marshals, the same timekeepers, and in, in a lot of cases, the same officials to all of them. And the reason for the smaller calendar was to stop burning people out was one of the reasons for it. I'd be mm. for the shorter calendar. Mm. It doesn't help that guy that, um, that or, or girl, for that matter, that has, has, has messaged in. Um, yeah, there's, I, I have no answer to it. It's the, what okay. the answer to his question is, it's, it's club specific. It's the yeah. clubs will decide um, as I said, some first comes are served, first served, and others, um, they just throw me to the bottom, pick out the first 250, and mm. then literally the same for the reserve, just put them together and pull, put the reserve list together. So it's not, um, 
Frustrations there and probably a lot of taper after any goal, as you said on previous podcasts. So we'll put that to Yeah, the tapers. I'm rallying yeah. all the tapers off after June. So um just quick word on the moonraker. Um you're on the loose stuff this weekend, you're back with all Murphy. And yeah. uh, Owen has said publicly a bit of sea time is what he's after in the in the situation. Yeah, I, I think it'll be good for sea time in that the car will slide around a bit. Um he, we're not getting enough um seat time together to be say ultra competitive. So, yeah, it's an ideal way of getting seat time, get familiar with the car, let it slide around a wee bit. Um, yeah, so let's just see what happens. It'll, yeah. um, so Saturday yeah, in Balavorni, Bal- yeah, there's a story up on the website there. Uh, thanks to Jerry Lee, who sent in the press release, and obviously Adam Hall, who sent in the Tarmac Championship ones as well. It's great for us to have that information to put out on a website, irishrallypod.com. Last but not least, tuition day today for the J1000s. Fantastic incentive. We knew it was coming up. Uh, it was up in, um, is it Palace Carton, I think? I'm really certain it was. I'm up the correction on that. Um, but uh, it's it's fantastic, I think, to have that in place today. You had lights of uh, Matt Edwards up there giving a bit of tuition. Breen was there himself, who's obviously after sponsoring um, the Irish Forestry Championship in relation to the J1000 and stuff. Uh, great for all of them to get that sort of information, Anthony, at that age. Like, imagine going there 13, 14, 15 years of age. And these people are in their room and they're talking to you one-to-one. That's amazing. Yeah. I know when we were younger, certainly starting out, you'd nearly be, especially if it's different times. But I remember when I saw Frank Maher first and Bertie Fisher first, and we were only a young lad. Uh, I mean, 14 or 15 as a spectator. You, you wouldn't even have the courage to go up and say hello to them. Whereas now, you know, you've the, the likes of Matt and Craig, and even though there's only one of them in the WRC, they're WRC standard drivers that move them. And um yeah, sure, it's fabulous. Like it's um yeah, it's it's that all that's good. I think that's all been been handled pretty well to be fair. I I, I like the whole yeah. There's a lot of opportunities there that weren't there and when we started out, certainly. Mm. Uh, Tina or Tina, how do you pronounce it? You're probably better than I am. Tina. Tina, yeah. Not the girl not a girl's name now, the place where the thing happened today. But anyway. EY, not T I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to go, and I'm sure I'll see you in a half an hour's time in the doghouse. Or uh, what, what was it called? Chateau. Oh, wow. Chateau, wow, wow. Chateau, wow, thanks, as always, to you <laughs> for your contribution. And uh, enjoy the bed dinner. Thanks a million. Good evening. Mind yourself. Cheers. Anthony Nestor, the one and only. So that's where we wrap it up, folks. And our work doesn't stop here. I'll be out here for at least another half an hour getting the audio off of this and trying to get onto Spotify and Apple. So uh, great crack. Um, have to be said, and uh, I suppose if you look at the, the reaction that we've got, uh, the information that's been provided by Terry Hagerty, and obviously a bit of insight from Anthony there as well, as always, um, it's great to be providing this, and I hope it's a, a benefit and of use to a lot of people out there. And there's learnings going forward, there's always going to be people frustrated, there's always going to be people maybe that uh, are upset and different things, and rightly so, rightly so. But if the whole thing can be spoken about in a positive way and improvements are made going forward, that's what the whole thing is about. Uh, my thanks also to Tom Scallon and Tomas O'Rourke, who come on a little bit earlier. For anyone that's kind of messaged us privately and email us at irishreallypodcast.gmail.com, appreciate that as well. If, please feel free to do so at any stage. And even if it's to come on and talk about something here on the podcast, we're all for that. That's what the platform is there for at the end of the day. Keep an eye on the website, irishreallypod.com. And a shout out, most importantly, to our sponsors for Who Without... This would not happen. SES Productions is one of them. PFT Travel is one of them. Valley Connection is another. 
murraymotorsport.com. If you go onto their website and use Irish Rally Podcast, 10% off a wide variety of products. And techandtools.ie, again, the same promo code, Irish Rally Podcast, uh, gets you 10% off on the website. Uh, thanks to you, the listeners and viewers who engage and get in touch and like and share. That is very much appreciated indeed. It doesn't go unnoticed. And uh, again, a crucial factor in making the whole thing what it is. Much appreciated. We're out the gap. Good night, folks, and God bless. I will sleep tonight.